Get ready for Dead Beat Radio. And we are back with one more episode of Dead Beat Radio. Here on Stage Diver Network, I am your host, Lance Adams. And as always, we 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 do not actually for once i do not have the man behind the boards the man who makes it happen the carrying half of any wrestling tag team that i reference him to and make myself the other half terry snow is not with us today i am actually behind the boards so we're running a little different but we miss him anyway we will carry on in his absence but we carry on with an interesting guest today, uh, a local wrestling entrepreneur, Mr. Donovan Daniels, uh, one of the owners of Kapow Wrestling. Uh, we, uh, we love wrestling around here, so please thank you for being here uh, on Debbie Radio. Oh, thank you so much, Lance. It's nice to do things like this. I, I don't get to do it nearly enough, so let's have a little fun. Yeah, and I'd say um, uh, promo uh, you always hear comedians talk about like uh, the morning zoo crew radio shows and bullshit. And I'd say with wrestling, you get roped into um, a lot of bullshit interviews and stuff like that. And so it's um, probably nice to just sit down, be at home, have a nice place in a, a lovely studio to just bullshit. Oh, absolutely. Uh, when we were getting started back with Kapow, we actually uh, were approached by somebody to do a podcast and. I don't know. The guy was out of Kentucky, something like that. It was kind of weird, but when he started asking the questions, I was kind of like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, when uh, when I, I started uh, Debbie Radio here, um, uh, I was on Mitch. We, we laughingly call him the commissioner. We're all big wrestling fans from every almost every show. Um, and comedy and wrestling actually go hand in hand with a lot of uh, a fan base. A lot of comedians love wrestling. I don't know if it's we appreciate the um, spectacle of what it is, what it takes. Um but um, we, we, we all have, and Mitch actually has a, a wrestling podcast on the network, uh, One Fall or 60 Minutes, and um, had a show uh, uh, called uh, uh, People in My Neighborhood. And he wanted people from different professions, and I came on and um, talked for four hours, and it's the longest episode to this day in Stage Diver Network history. And he was like, you never shut up. Do you want your own show? And I was like, yes, that's what I do. <laughs> and, uh, and he asked me what I wanted to do, and I was like, you know what? I just want to talk. I want to get different people in with different backgrounds, um, talk about the things that we would talk about if we were just sitting around at a party bullshitting and and introduce people to new ideas and realize that people aren't that different and i uh i, I challenge myself to find new and interesting people so you are definitely um somebody uh, i haven't had a chance to meet you in person so this is nice for me to get a chance to meet facebook friends that um are in the in different industries that tie a lot together um you know we talked about our outside on the porch that um wrestling and comedy are very related Oh, yeah, they're very related. Uh, I actually know a local comedian who used to be a wrestler one time. Really? I, I, I hate the guy, but Chris Bell. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, really? Yeah, well, I, I don't really hate him, but I, I don't want to put him over on this podcast. Is that kayfabe? Well, yeah. oddly enough, uh, Chris and I have worked together a lot. Chris was uh, the, our last Deadbeat Radio guest, so uh, that's great. We may have to have Chris <laughs> come back, and uh, what we'll do is we'll just we'll, we'll have this promo war. We'll do it like a wrestling uh, show should be, and we'll just promo war it back and forth. So, there you go. He didn't even mention that he was a wrestler uh, at one point? Yes. Again, I, I was talking to you outside and I told you I'd had a few wrestlers on before oh. or people with a wrestling background, but they were always 
was on for another purpose and we never got to it. And so it's my white whale. And so you, sir, have finally been able to uh, help me achieve the unachievable of finally having somebody to talk wrestling with. Oh, boy, this is going to get interesting. Um, And and I like that, um, much like comedy, um, there is a a spirited, fun rivalry between um, promotions. And I I know it can also get ugly. Even in the world of comedy, people hate each other, become dicks, um, do backstab, do dirty deals, cheat people. So those things happen, and and people do get into real-world, fuck that guy. But um, with people that respect other people doing what they do, there is a a playful rival, which I like. I think that's what anybody needs. A little ball-busting, you know, a little challenge. Um... Oh, absolutely. Wrestling, it, it does become a form of peer pressure at some point where you're pushing the other guy. You know, you, you just kind of, like you said, busting his balls, you know, things like that, just to kind of get a rise on. But we know at the end of the day we're fun. And, I mean, you're right. There, There is a lot of backstage, backstabbing, politics, different things like the that. The Montreal screw job. Oh, fantastic. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. I watched that the other night. Oh, it's, it, it's, it's still just as interesting it 21 is. years it later. Um, what what I think non-Marks, because, I, again, I'm a Mark, and for non-wrestling fans, that, that is a, 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 a diehard fan who gets it, um, that buys it regardless, just eats it up, and is like, I'm, I'm in on this. I know what's fake. Fuck you, you know, or whatever. And it, we're, we're, we're just diehard fans, and I'm a Mark. Um, but people forget that regardless of how these people aren't really these characters, um, they're not always uh, pretending to – they're not always giving you the person they really are. You know, there's always a, a, a version of it. But these are characters. These are actors. These are, um, you know, athletes that are, that are all mixed into one ball. And so there's a lot going on. But people forget these are really p- people, human beings f- – Fuck employees, fuck employers, um, fuck uh, uh, co-workers' wives, and this shit really happens, and it really does, you know, cause a different working environment. Oh, yeah. um, and people forget that. And so when you 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 look at something like the Montreal screw job, you're like, oh, oh shit, right, oh, right. Shit. Well, I I know you use the term mark, but uh, man. Those of us in professional wrestling, we're the biggest marks of all. Oh, yeah, I'm we're, sure. We're going to watch wrestling no matter what because we're, we're going to ride or die with wrestling until the day we do die. And, uh, I mean, it really, yeah, we're, we're the biggest fans well, let's, ever. Let's, let's start. Um Let's start with getting to know you personally, and we can kind of work in this. So, so how how old are you? You're thirty one. Okay, so we're we're about ten years apart. So you grew up closer, I guess, in the Attitude Era. Is that really like your first memories? So much? No, actually, uh, I got into wrestling at the age of three. Okay, uh, both of my grandfathers. So the uh, last of the Golden Era. You're talking yeah, about the, 1990, yeah. 1991. Right. Uh, and then to supplement my wrestling addiction. Back then was the days of video stores where you oh, would go, yes. you would rent VHS God, and, and play them. And back then they were still carrying stuff from like you could get Starcade and WrestleMania, yeah, you could get pay per views. That that you, people don't realize now. For this generation, it is different. You can get the WWE Network, and you can have it streamed in, no problem. Back then, it was 50 bucks. You had to call or talk your mom into calling. You had to, you know, even as I got older, even, because um, I'm, again, about 10 years older than you. So at that time, I was in my uh, in mid-90s, early 2000s, which is, I guess, the end Begin, the beginning of the end before you get to the internet era and things change. Um, and I I remember vividly pitching in with friends, 10, 15 bucks a pop, sit around, get some pizzas and beer and watch, you know, uh, uh, WrestleMania or whatever. 
And it was hard. It wasn't easy to, to come by. No. And it was different. So to get those videos two months later and be like, oh, shit, I heard about this match. This way, cut him open with this guitar. Oh, fuck. And you, you pop it in and you're, you get to see all the matches. And it, it was different. I think, um, I think like, again, like porn, the overexposure has changed the magic that we were lucky enough to grow up with. It, it does. I, I mean, I even remember back in the days when you ordered the pay-per-view, you somebody always had the VCR ready. Oh, so that yeah. way you had the copy of it. Pre-show. Shit, they're going to do interviews. Get your ass in here. Exactly. I still have a copy of the tape of WrestleMania six. That was recorded that night. Six, that is. That was Hogan and Warrior in oh, Toronto. Oh, yeah, that's the that's the the dual belts, man. That's, that's the right. first time in, that, in my lifetime that we remember two championships. Oh. Exactly. And when you were growing up, and if you watched WWF in the early 90s, mm -hmm. you were Hogan or you were Warrior. I'm a warrior. So I, I'm a warrior guy. I was a warrior guy then. I'm more of a Hogan guy now, but... I, I still, even though I know the behind the scenes of what a dick Jim Hedwig was and how crazy, like, he actually just sucked as a human, um, I still love him. He's still my favorite. Um, he would be in my my top time all-time favorites. Uh, easy. Easy without batting an eye. I, I loved him. My wife now has, like, through video games and YouTube clips, because I introduced my kids to it a little, and I go, that's so much better. But I, I'm such a grandpa. Ah, you kids don't know not. It was so much better. Look <laughs> at this. 1982. You know, the maddest. I'm just such a dork. And um, through that, and we've played video games with all the classic wrestlers, and my kids love that. And uh, my wife had loves the Ultimate Warrior. She's a, That's his dude. That's her dude. She loves him. Oh, absolutely. I, I think I was four, and I was actually the Ultimate Warrior for Halloween. Oh, even beautiful, my, my beautiful. mom even went out and got, like, the ribbon to put around the arms, the whole love deal. Love it. I, my entire life. But, I mean, you're correct. Now it's not really the magic, but no. there's still magic to be created. Cor yes, yes. And I don't, think it's, I don't think it's hopeless. I just, I'm not as crazy about the product. One, I think competition breeds better product. And I think the fact that there's no more big guys, there's big guy, makes a difference at that level. Now, on the indie circuit where you're at, which is realistically the best place to be right now, it's the best product. Because when you say big guys, people always go, oh, because they're better. Nope, because they're more famous. It's not always better. And a lot of times it's actually worse, but it, they're, they're richer and more famous. And that's what it is. Well, to a certain extent, yeah. I mean... People think independent wrestling, they're getting wrestling, and right. there's going to be 20 people in the crowd with Papa. And that and happens, too. Kids. I mean, it, that it, happens, It does too. somewhere, and there's nothing wrong with nope. that. But, I mean, uh, earlier this year, All In in Chicago, independent wrestling show put on by Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks. Oh, yep, yep. That's where he won the 10 pounds of steel, right? It, indeed, yep. he did win the NWA title. But they sold out a 10,000-person arena in under an hour. Independent wrestling backed completely out of their pockets. 10,000 people in one arena. Independent wrestling now is skyrocketing. You've got guys... January is a big point for WWE to sign a lot of talent. Yeah. Over the past few years, AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, there's a lot of uh, wonder on what Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks are going to do. He is so amazing. I mean, like, honestly... Again, I don't, I don't follow the current product so much. I follow it. I don't watch it. I'm familiar with what people are doing. If you, if you have Facebook, you don't have to watch anything. Your friends will post about it unmercifully. Yeah. Whatever show you like, you don't have to fucking watch it. Just check Facebook in an hour after it's over. Yeah. So wrestling's the same way. You can follow everything. And I, there are people out there I like, but Cody Rhodes is one of those I never expected because Dusty's so amazing. Oh, yeah. Dusty was such a legend and so different, and that Ric 
Flair, Roddy Piper, just batshit crazy, rattling promos off the top of their head. No real gimmick, but still a solid gimmick at the same time. Could work with anybody. Good guy, bad guy. You don't get that anymore. No. And 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 Dustin has done great. Yeah. Ha- uh, amazing to take a shit sandwich and turn it into Jesus with the fishes and loaves and, and break it out and make it just the most amazing story because Goldust didn't have to be. No, it didn't have to be. It, was it wasn't supposed to be. Goldust could have been a shit sandwich du jour, but he made it a superstar. And it's done great. But Cody to come out, has re- he's amazing. I'm so impressed with that kid. No, there's so, there's so many things people don't know about guys like Cody. A lot of people expect on an independent wrestling event when some name comes in that they're going to be just some horrible person. They're stuck up, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Cody, he's one of those guys who comes in early. And he actually will help with setting up the really? ring. He will do anything a promoter needs because he's that in tune to professional wrestling. Dusty did a great job on his son. Nice, nice. Um, I didn't, I didn't know that. Again, I've never met him. I didn't know that at all. But that is awesome. And I think you get that. I, I we talk about it a lot here on the show. Um, as a comedian, or uh, like when I get compliments on my beard. Because that happens everywhere I go. I that is a friend. nice beard. Why, thank you. Uh, for those of you who may not know, it is currently ranked 63rd in the world. So um, that's uh, that's my claim to fame. <laughs> and so it's one of those things where people do mention it. Hey, man, that's crazy. That's cool. Um, you get off stage, you, you know, come out of the ring, meeting fans backstage. Anybody, I appreciate anybody who appreciates me. Yeah. If, if someone takes a moment to say, I like what you do. Yeah. I will take the moment to stop and say thank you. Exactly. I will talk as long as I have to talk to you or you are willing to talk to me. I will give that moment. Um, and I think in all art forms, comedy, wrestling, music, acting, etc., there are people that feel that way and people that don't. And it's usually very extremes. Oh, yeah. They have, you have the, uh, to me, the one of the most famous examples is Ronnie James Dio of Black Sabbath and Dio and Rainbow and, and et cetera, um, would always, he and he would he was very vocal about interviews, they say that he would stay to the last fan left. He would greet everybody. If they, he had time, he would stop and greet everybody because he saw Richie Blackmore and Rainbow do the exact opposite uh. and was just like, fuck that. These guys are the reason we're here. You let them know you appreciate it. And I, I always take that moment. Um, and so it's really cool to see somebody who doesn't have to be that way. Oh yeah, on any level. Oh, I love that you brought up Dio. I love me some Dio. Me too. Me too. I'm a cheese ball. I'm an I'm an old '80s hair metal guy, and so I love that shit. Oh, I yeah. absolutely love '80s it. hair metal was amazing. Yeah, I was uh, telling Mitch before we came on. Uh, I just recently rewatched the um, the Decline of Western Civilization Part Two. Are you familiar? I haven't seen it. Oh. I get. I guess age-wise, this would have been a little before your time. But um, Penelope Spheris, who directed Wayne's World, yeah. and all, so amazing, um, huge documentary fan maker, did um, Decline of Western Civilization Part One in late seventies, early eighties, maybe. And okay. it's a documentary about um, the hardcore punk scene at the time. Okay. And so it's got um, you know like the germs and and things like that, and it's just a, a documentary about their life, and it was very well received at the time, big time. Um, and then she did a part two, came out in the eighties, and it's about hair metal. Uh-huh. And so it's got interviews with Ozzy and, and Aerosmith and all you know Dave Mustaine and interviews you know these wannabes that are never getting nowhere and poison and all this in their lifestyle. And, yeah, man, I slept with girls that didn't have any money, and so this girl, you know, I buzzed where I got this scarf, and this is actually her shirt, and she gave me some money for Taco Bell, and <laughs> you know, 
And so it's actually great. I highly recommend it. Oh, there's a part three that. that, and it's on YouTube. You can actually get it for free on YouTube. Um, but there's a part three, and it's about, I guess, 90s gutter punk. I couldn't get into it. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I watched the first two, and I grew up with the second one. I, that was my jam back in the day. Right. Uh, loved it. So if you like hair metal, definitely um, uh, for anybody to check that out. But, uh, yeah, I'm a big deal fan. He's one of my favorites. Um, I'm just a, I'm a cheese ball like that. I like that shit. I'm pretty old school when it comes to music myself. Uh, like, uh, I'm originally from Detroit. Cool. Okay, I hear the accent. Yeah, my uh, my grandfather, one of my grandfathers, he actually lived three doors down or three houses down from the original Motown Studios. No way. Yes. That's awesome. So we would go, you know, see his old house, and then of course go see Motown. That is killer. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, even with me, I go anywhere from Otis Redding to Dio. That, that's my wheelhouse when it comes to music. I, I'm all over the spectrum, and I know a lot of times when people say, oh, I like all kinds of music, typically it means I don't like any music. Um, but to me, if you can go, well, I like this genre because there's this, this, and this, and I like this genre because there's this, and that's how I am. I love country music. Uh, I'm very specific about the types and eras that I like. Um, I even do like some bro country. I'm kind of a cheese ball. Um, but I like you know certain eras. I like um, metal, but I'm not into this kind of metal, that kind of metal. I love Sabbath and Dio. And um, White Snake and, and shit like that. Um, I like uh, this newer kind of, I guess not so much newer, but like Stoner Rock, like Clutch. I don't know if you're familiar. We, that's usually I've our heard Clutch, yeah. Oh, so good. It, it, it amazes me being 31 because you mentioned stuff about like Con- Tawny Katane on top of the car, and they're like, what are you talking about? Like, Loved it. Oh, come on, man. So good. So good. To me, David Coverdale was like, if I was going to go gay, that's the dude. He was just like the hottest. To me, that's what every dude should want to be back then. You watch Dave, Dave, David Coverdale just come down, and it was just like, oh, my, I, I would fuck that dude. That To me, that's what Simon Belmont from fucking Castlevania should be, is David Coverdale. He's just, <laughs> I expect him to come out and tell me, oh, we're going out late to the hunt Dracula. <laughs> would he be going with us? Right. I mean, he was just like, oh. And um, then later, as I got older and found out, you know, his history that he had, he had been in Deep Purple and, and so oh, good. I love so Deep good. Purple. Yeah. And I don't know for people that only know, you know, Deep Purple hits, but Dave, David Coverdale, that's that's where he gets his start. When Ian Gillian, the not the original lead singer, but the lead singer most people know, left, they replaced him with Glenn Hughes and David Coverdale. And so, like, his version of Smoke on the Water is fantastic if you've oh, never absolutely. heard it. You know, for people that haven't ever heard it, check it out because it's like, we didn't all come out to Montreux. They went out to Montreux because he was a part of that. So he changes the lyrics. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I love that shit. White Snake's one of my just top five favorite bands. Absolutely love it. So Nice. To me, White Snake Dio, uh, most of that era, metal, Sabbath. Also, good wrestling intro music. It really was. And that's where really where entrance music got its start. You have guys like... Uh, Junkyard Dog down in uh, Mid-South Territory. He was coming out to uh, Another One Bites the Dust by Queen. And then later, Bad to the Bone, wasn't it right? Um, By the time that was, I, I, he might have done it for a short time, but he, he transitioned to WWF right around the time that song and came out. And that's when out. everybody gets their own theme songs written by the house band. Yeah, well, Rick Derringer did a lot of writing for him. I didn't know that. He did uh, Real American, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, uh, that's true, that's true. Yeah, yeah, Real American is Rick Der- Derringer. So yeah, that, that I forgot about that. And you know, you have some exceptions, like obviously you have Lemmy in later years for Triple H, which I motorhead. love. Yeah, Triple Fuck H is yeah. a huge Motorhead fan. 
Yeah, yeah. And I love Triple H, and I, I didn't for a long time. I really hated him when he was first coming out. I wasn't a big DX fan. I, I, I don't know. I give Shawn Michaels a lot of respect, but I, I liked Triple X, uh, Triple H post-DX. Okay. I like the, the, the Conan wannabe era. Well, I, you know, I didn't really dig like the 2003, 2004 stuff, yeah. but his stuff in 2000 and 2001 was phenomenal. I liked Leather Coat, Sledgehammer, Triple H. Oh, I would say that was probably 04. That's 05. that's my favorite. Uh, that's my favorite because I just love that he had the the friendly chops, which is the the technical term for the limmy, yeah, know, the, the mustache. It's actually called friendly chops. That was around. I want to say evolution. I time. just loved it. I just thought it was great. Um, because I like. I like big bruisers. That's always been my wrestling style. You okay. know, a lot of people like the luchador or you know the, the the lightweights or this that and the other. I like the 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 Barry Windham, Sid Vicious, uh, you know, uh, Undertaker, Kane. I always liked that. That was oh, always man. my favorite. Barry Windham, one of my favorites. See, I, I was always more of the Donovan, uh, Donovan. Stop. I just want you to know how much I love you already, and <laughs> that I cannot believe we've never sat face to face because Barry Windham would be in my top five all-time favorite wrestlers. Oh man, that, and that, so you mentioned Dustin Rhodes earlier, the tag team that they did in WCW in '92. Oh, so amazing! And, and really, a lot of people, it doesn't get its due. WCW from like '91 to '93 was so absolutely phenomenal yes oh yeah oh yeah even when they were losing in the monday night wars they were really winning to me because i like that yeah. and again with those of us who grew up in that separation era where you had you had big guys and even then you had indies breaking through ecw great example yeah a complete indie promo that came out of nowhere and did not necessarily have a, a, a recipe for success because a lot of big name wrestling people get past their prime and go start an indie promo. That's yeah. very common. A lot of the people that you no longer see that you grew up with are running an indie promo in their hometown right now, retired. That's yeah. a thing. And Paul Heyman at that time was that guy. And he went at, he was, he had lost his spot in the, 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 the top of the pops had went back and said, fuck it, I'll do it myself. And a lot of people fail at that, but he brilliant as he was blew the fucking lid off the indie world at that time. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, he got brought in as a booker at first and then kind of took it over when he pushed Todd Gordon out. But, I mean, I remember in 1994. The Saturday night days, you had to find it at, like, midnight on Fox or somewhere. Oh, yeah, but Polly Dangerously at the time. And that's still what I call him. I hate Paul Heyman. I, to me, it's Polly Dangerously. Absolutely. But uh, when he uh, convinced Shane Douglas to throw down the NWA title belt in New Jersey when he won the tournament Brilliant. for it. Uh, declaring that Eastern Championship Wrestling is now extreme championship wrestling. And then it took up over a whole style culture oh, for yeah. wrestling. It was it was re it was wrestling punk rock. Yes. And then it inspired the attitude era. It was ugly, it was unkempt, it was unconventional, it was more it was harder, faster, louder. It was punk rock. It really was. Here in this disco era of, of wrestling when when again WWF was very disco. And yeah. WCW was very Southern rock. And that's what you really had. If you stop and think about it, for a metaphor, you have this glitzy, glammy, perfectly executed disco of the WWF, polished, shiny, everything. And then you had this a little more redneck, a little more raw, but still rock and roll WCW, NWA, because the guys were a little fatter, but still a little more real. And 
There were a few craziness, but all in all, everybody was just, you know, some dude that would whip your ass in a bar, and it was fun, and even the, the, the cage was different. It wasn't cheesy and polished. It was chain-link fence like he had just bought it from Home Depot, and there you've got this Southern Rock. You've got the Skinners. You've got these great riffs, and out of nowhere comes this hard, nasty, ugly, gutter punk um, in your face to break through, and that's really what you had. Oh, yeah. I, I think that little ditty you did over there might have actually been a theme song in 86 for WWF. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, ECW was the land of misfits toys. Yeah. Uh, here at Kapow, we like to call ourselves a circus Nice. and ECW literally was the circus. Nice. Big inspiration for you then? I mean, I know I brought it up, but was that, would you say ECW and their, um, uh, rise was, a, a, a not, not the rebrand shit later, but the, the original was that, is that an inspiration to you? A little bit. Uh, I mean, it changed the way that people looked at wrestling. Uh, I mean, they had. Two white guys from South Philly be the public enemy. A couple of hip-hop In like wannabes. a hotel ballroom. Yeah. Uh, actually, it was a bingo hall. Is that what it is? It I was mean, a bingo hall. It looks almost like the Muppet Theater. For people that aren't old enough or don't remember, um, it was what you see on TV was very different from, again, when ECW began. Because it looked... Um, it looked for people that have seen the show Netflix uh, Glow. Uh, Glow. It was like that. Awesome. It is awesome. And I, I grew up with the original Glow. Um, <laughs> and I sneezed. Um, I grew up with Glow. Um, I don't know if you, were, if you were old enough to remember it when you were a kid. Nanachka. Okay, I loved Gold it. And my wife and I have loved the show on Netflix. But for anybody who's watched that, maybe, to give you a more uh, recent reference, that, again, hotel ballroom is what it did look like. Oh, yeah. uh, ECW looked like that, and it was tiny, and it was thrown together, and it was very DIY, and it was so different than the glamour and glitz, and people came out with baseball bats and chains and flaming and, you know, a fucking uh, hockey stick with a chainsaw tape. It was insane. It was it was video game level insane at the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, you had some of the top technical technical wrestlers in the world. Chris Benoit, when he, he got into the American mainstream, was there. Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko. Yeah, then you yeah. had guys like New well, you Jack. Had, you had the whole... Um, uh, later to become the, the 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 flock in WCW, you know Raven, uh, Perry Saturn, all those Steve guys, Richard, amazing, yeah. yeah, all those amazing, and it, so it was so different, and um, you know you had to it, a lot like a generation before. To watch Glow, you had to stay up on Saturday night, find it on some oddball channel. Yep. Um, you know, and so it was very, it, it, again, it was magical. Um, it Because you couldn't go online and watch it anytime you wanted. You couldn't go online and um, uh, break kayfabe. It, at the time, that was a huge thing. This was just different, and it was unique, but it was magical because you believed these people were real because you couldn't prove otherwise. Right. I, I mean, it, Glow was ahead of its time. I, oh I mean, they... God. They even did a uh, made-for-TV DVD set. Ooh. I own the set. Really? I, I've never seen that. It's I've, like I've the done. very best of Glow, <sighs> volumes one through six. Uh, I, I literally own them. Oh, that's great. Um, have you seen the, the documentary on it, um, the on Glow? Yes. It's good. It's where uh, Mount Fiji you know, barely makes it in because of her disease. Yeah, when they cover the reunion oh, at the so end? Good. Oh, yeah, yeah. So good. Yeah. So good. I, I mean, it was... If you haven't seen the Glow series, I highly recommend it. I mean, I for comedy it. fans, it has Mark Maron. Oh, yes. Yeah, so good. So good. And I love Mark Maron. So I was so happy to see him in it. And um, he does what's well. your name? Um, Allison, Allison Brie. Brie, yes. Um, who's great in community and fantastic in this role. I mean, oh, yeah. absolutely amazing. Um, does so good as this washed up trying to be, um, which I. 
I don't know about you, but I can feel and relate to so much. It's, you know, because I'm, I'm older than my, most of my average comic peers. And sure. I, I started later, and I've got a wife, kids, um, and so full-time day job. And so I do feel, again, like this washed up, still trying to be uh, uh, upstart. And I, I, you keep plugging at it. And so she's such a good character to, to cheer for because you're like, yeah, go, go get them, girl. Because that means I can go get them tomorrow when yeah. I get up. Yeah, that was what wrestling was back then. Yeah, yeah. Um, Greatest interview of all time, Dusty Rhodes' hard times. When he, he just sits there and talks about the working man. Right, and that's hard times. I slept with kings. Oh, it's so good. Down with kings, slipping, but ate polka beans. Um, I love, um, I, I've tried to introduce my wife to it because we, you know, stayed up late night and hanging out. Kids are in bed and we're watching bullshit on YouTube and get down these YouTube rabbit holes. And, yeah. and so some of them wrestling based, like I said, I've turned around the ultimate warrior and uh-huh. I, I've tried to give her this. There's a, a legion and some people can do it. Some people can't. And sadly, nobody's allowed to do it anymore, but they're what I call the, the batshit crazy ramblers <laughs> right. that can touch a promo. And again, the ultimate warrior definitely on that list, yeah. a unique voice in that list, but the, the, the Randy Savage, if he did Coke beforehand. Yeah. Oh my God. Randy Savage, Roddy Piper, Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, like these guys, these guys are the Mount Rushmore of just batshit crazy ramblers. Yeah. And Dusty Rhodes it was the eighties. Oh yeah. So good. <laughs> um, and, and, and you know, all of them, if you really stop and think about it outside of the ultimate warrior, we'll remove him from this and put the, the, the other four, Randy Savage, um, Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, and Roddy Piper. All four of them, honestly, came from such a generation, no real gimmick. I mean, honestly, if you break it down, especially in today's terms, no real gimmick. Um, good to above average fighters, as far as technical wrestlers, none phenomenal, none in the Chris Benoit, Bret Hart, you know, Dean Malenko. I'd put player in that Maybe. conversation. Maybe he, he would be the top, but of them, they were just so good out of the gate with everything on such a unique level they could do anything and make superstardom out of it. But none of them were, again, technical supremacy, Ric Flair being the top, yeah. but still none of them were technical supremacy. None of them were, again, outside of the Ultimate Warrior, he's definitely an outsider there, but yeah. none of them were physically uh, uh, perfect Adonis specimens, uh, uh, Savage being the best, but still. He had a pretty good um, physique. Yeah, at, but even at his at his early years, he wasn't, you know, no, the Ultimate Warrior, Rick Rude, he wasn't, you know, those he, guys. He had about three or four good years. Yeah, and, 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 and so they were all just batshit crazy and would ramble and say the most insane stuff, but uh, Dusty Rhodes one time said he was calling a match, and I don't remember who the wrestling was. And it's been, again, probably the Attitude Era because that's the last time I – well, I guess the new era after that was the last I really watched. So it has to be at least that old. Mm-hmm. And Dusty Rhodes said the most brilliant thing ever. And it was heartfelt moment when he, he said, and I'll never forget, Friends, you know what that is? I'll tell you what that is. You know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> and and even then I stopped and went, What the fuck did he just say? And it was but it was so perfect and just dumb and just and you're like, that's brilliant. I love it. And I, I've I've laughed at that for twenty something years. It just is the oddest, greatest thing ever. So um let's go back to Kapow itself. I, I wanna talk to you. Now you you you're an owner in Kapow, but also you you wrestle, you're 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 an on-air talent as well. I, I am on hiatus at the moment. Uh, took many years off okay. trying to get myself back in shape, but uh, I am the MC extraordinaire for the evening. So awesome, awesome, and that. So I um 
I, I definitely want to get into your history of wrestling, but as a wrestling fan, I always thought wanted to do it. I remember in the sixth, maybe seventh grade, mm-hmm. I wrote a paper, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I wrote professional wrestler. And I got an F, and she told me that was dumb and to rewrite it. Yeah. I, I wanted to be one since I was three. Uh, neither one of my parents nor my grandparents really believed me until the day that I started. <laughs> it's amazing when when you take a lifelong dream like that and start it. You're like, wow, I didn't I didn't think this was actually possible. Yeah. It almost seems like a fairy tale because comedy is the same way. You, you're like, how do you do that? And for comedy, and I, I know wrestling has a similar back door where it's it's like it seems to be this magical uh secretive club but it's like if you just go to somebody and go hey i'd like to do this and they go oh, there's a school you can do this and you can yeah. learn to do this and we can put you in business sure. and for comedy it's like how do you i don't know how to become a comic how do i do this i always want to do it i think i can do it people tell me i'm funny i'm like i can do this okay well here's the thing you go to this place called an open mic that yeah. is heavily advertised and you you sign your name on a list and you go up what that's it yeah that's it yeah and so if you want to become a wrestler, now there's no guarantee you're going to be good at it. No, no, um, And that's, that's a whole other thing. That's a whole other conversation. But if you want a shot in today's world, you can get a shot. You sure can. There, and I, I hate to say it, but there are a lot of uh, non-reputable guys out there that will train people for little to no money just to be like, hey, I trained this guy. But uh, there are plenty of reputable wrestling academies out there. Uh, our fair mayor, Glenn Jacobs, is actually starting one in January. Really? Yeah. Oh, but... I didn't know that. Um, Glenn is a uh, a really awesome guy. I love Glenn to death. My, my mother and his wife were co-workers for years. Ah. So we know Glenn and his lovely wife, Crystal. They're, yeah. they're hu- lovely human beings. And actually, I'll, I'll share a story with you while you brought up the topic. Um, my, my daughter passed away years ago. Um, and... Um, we we just didn't have the money, you know. It was a, a travesty, and so many other things crash and burn in those tragic moments where you mm-hmm. you you get so much into the hospital bills, this, that, and the other, and what gets away from you because you're emotionally distraught. Sure. Anybody who's ever been to tragedy, been there. And Glenn and Crystal uh, donated the money for her headstone, and oh, so wow, we are uh, forever indebted to that uh, family and love them to death. Amazing and, people. Yeah, yeah, it really is, and they really are. And so um, I think that's awesome because Glenn would be dude for people that don't know him that think you know. Uh, Local, anybody who doesn't know, Glenn Jacobs, the, the person who's behind Kane, the character on WWE, mm-hmm. um, a, a superstar in the business, has been around forever. Isaac Yankum, Unibom. I mean, he's For over you know, 20 years. Oh, oh yeah, he's, yeah. He's a legend and, and phenomenal worker um, and phenomenal just human being, as I told you my personal story. But he is has run and won um, Knox County's mayor seat. Mayor. Um, and so he's a brilliant guy. He's been wanting to get into politics for a long time. Um, a, hard, a fairly hardcore libertarian has uh, ran on the Republican ticket and one, but pretty much a libertarian uh, yeah, by very, nature, I'd say so. which again, I love, I'm all for, uh, you know, uh, we don't talk politics here just out of, um, not the, we, it's just so much talk about it. Let's talk about other fun stuff, but I've never made any, uh, beef about who I am politically. And so libertarianism and, and my form of conservatism run very closely. And so Glenn and I are on page, but for even people that aren't, um, very smart individual, very, very brilliant man, great performer, a great human being. So if he's uh, running a school, you couldn't probably pick a better place to go. Oh, absolutely. He's uh, co-running it with uh, Dr. Tom Pritchard. Oh, oh, one of my all-time favorites when I was he a kid. He actually trained me. You know Dr. Tom Pritchard? He trained me. Okay. So again, um, I love you more and more with every minute of this conversation. We are becoming best friends, almost like a, a sitcom. Do we just become best friends? Um, when I was a kid, 
again, there was the WWE, WCW, well, WWF at the time, yeah. WCW. You you had AWA, uh, AWA, WCCW on ESPN. So you oh, had yeah. several wrestling outlets. But then would come what I call, and and really what now you learn is indie wrestling. But yeah. I would call, what I called armory wrestling. Anything that was in a sportatorium, auditorium, gymnasium, and it was these low-budget indie shows that were out there busting their ass, spending their own money, doing what they could do, and bringing wrestling to you. And if you were lucky, you could catch those same guys on Saturday on Smoky Mountain Wrestling, which was, again, a legend around here. And every territory at the time had somewhere like it. But for us, it was Smoky Mountain Wrestling, and I loved it. And and when I was a kid, there was – you would get these – champions that passed through because that's how it worked back then you know for people that don't know you had a territory and you had your guys mm-hmm. and people would come and go as they toured like comics or bands do and so a new territory would get to experience the guy you've known for years because he's the guy that came in from out of town he's gonna whip ass and be new and that's how it worked yep. and one of my all-time favorites when i was a kid one of the greatest memories was tally ward auditorium in front of east high school here in morristown it was a favorite stop of smoky mountain yeah Dr. Tom Pritchard. I, he's one of my all-time favorites, dude. Just the way he would take his hair and he would shake it. And it was the satin jacket days when you would come to the ring and your your tights and your knee pads and your satin puffy jacket. I, I loved it. And oh, that's, I, I'll tell you a story that you'd actually probably appreciate that. Please do. When, when we were training and Tom was talking to us about ring presence, he said, I didn't just come up with that thing with my hair. I just didn't know what the hell to do with my hands. <laughs> it worked. It did. So, I don't, do you still have contact with him? Uh, a little bit. I saw him at Bandit Wrestling's event <laughs> at D One Sports, which I yes. think is actually where the academy is going to be. Um, well, he's been I a major behind them. the scenes player for years too. For people that don't even know who this is, again, somebody that I grew up seeing locally as a wrestling legend uh, where I was from. But now, even for years, he's been behind the scenes in some of the biggest uh, organizations, uh, booking and you know training. So he yeah. he's one of those guys that like the the musician you don't hear about anymore. That's now producing the records you know and love. Oh yeah. So he he went to being that guy, and and I loved him, loved him, loved him when I was a kid. So. Yeah, he was WWE's head trainer at two different times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, if that's if that's who is uh, uh, on your um, wrestling school agenda, you're going to get good in the business. Oh, that's yeah. great. Um, how, how did you? So, how did you get in? We talked about you know how easy it is to 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 find a place to go. But did you train in Detroit, or were you here in Tennessee by the time? No, I, I, I've lived in Knoxville most of my life. But uh, at that point, I had just graduated high school, and. Uh, I was on internet message boards for local wrestling, and I, I got encouraged to go out to a event at Green Acres Flea Market in Maryville. Yeah. Uh, Mitch, actually, that's where I met yeah, him. The commissioner. We refer to him as the commissioner. The commissioner. Here. We I, speak I, in wrestling terms here on Deadbeat, just for a record. So you, 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 you write at home, and he is the commissioner. He's our commissioner. That's right. The commissioner. I, I actually met him there. That's uh, great. And... Uh, I was doing website for the promotion for a while, and one of the older veterans on the show, Rerun, um, he approached me. He's like, "Do you ever think of wrestling?" I'm I'm six foot four. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm we're about the same height. Yeah, yeah I, I was skinny back then, but I was a, still a big guy. So he was like, "Well, let's make this guy a wrestler." So I, I trained with him and another guy named Charles Long for a little bit. That I, name rings a bell. Yeah. Um, and uh, wrestled for about a year after that. And Dr. Tom was a regular at those shows. Mm. And uh, 
he approached a few of us, asked if we wanted to do training with him on a weekly basis. So we trained for him for somewhere between six and nine months, once a week, uh, up until he got signed for his second stint with WWE. And uh, man, it was night and day. I was terrible. I shouldn't have been in the ring for the first year, but... Dude, that's the way it is with comedy. You shouldn't be you shouldn't be on the stage, but at the same time, if you're not, you'll never get ready to be on the stage. Oh, absolutely. So it's like, yeah, and it, well, you know, like we talked about it with, with comedy and wrestling being very similar arts, and I think there really is a, there tends to be a very cross-pollination of fans, um, mm. people that like one like the other. Um, people that do one tend to like the other. Mm. I'd say if you ask a lot of wrestlers, they like stand-up comedy. Yeah. Ask comedians, they love wrestling. And. I think a lot of it is just we have the same things that form what we like. We just take different paths. But the arts are very similar in um, improv with a plan. I mean, for people that don't know, they're going, oh, wrestling's fake. And it's like you can't fake dropping somebody on their head. That's that's not – that can't be fake. <laughs> no, what, what, sure can't. What, what you can fake is um, – and this is just – in the non-kayfabe world, nine times out of ten, there's a plan for a story. And these athletes are going to act out this real story – over a period of time. I mean, that's just the way wrestling always was. And we knew that even when we thought these people were really who they were um, before the internet age. Um, but we still wanted to watch these athletes. Um, and so you can determine the beats of the story. But two men get in a ring, or more than two, whatever. But two men get in a ring, or women, whatever. Again, we try to be all-inclusive. Two people <laughs> get in the ring, and they have a plan of what's going to happen, and they act it out right there in front of you, featuring safe ways to hopefully have a physical contest and throw each other around and put people in a place of physical competition in a way um, that you don't blend often. Now, comedy is not physical, but what it is is instant audience reaction. Mm -hmm. Very rare for most artists. Music even doesn't get because you can sing over people and not pay attention, you know, and never know. You can take an acoustic guitar to a bar and just keep singing, and you don't care if they're unless they're booing. But even then, you. But with wrestling and comedy, if people aren't paying attention, the show changes drastically. Yeah, instantly. Sure does. You have to have the ability to turn when the audience turns and know that, hey, we came in here with a plan, but shit, oh, this drunk dude in the first row went, oh, damn it, we're going, here we go. Oh, I didn't, fuck, all right, I wasn't ready for this, but let's do this. And you have to make those plans, or um, unlike wrestling uh, comedy, nobody gets hurt, but in wrestling, you could you you can hurt somebody if you yeah. aren't ready to turn when it, the tide turns. And so um, for me, as a, as a true mark, I love the both sides of the fence. I mm -hmm. like the the behind the scenes. I like knowing how it happens. I like knowing how wrestlers communicate in the ring. I like knowing how, I, and I like watching the the soap opera wrestling gladiatorial. I like all of it. Yeah, I'm a I, I'm, I've always been that guy. I'm a nerd, pure and simple of all forms. Be it whether it's music or D and D and you know I, comic books. I'm a nerd and wrestling. I'm a nerd about. I like all of it, and I love to try and watch it much like a concert and see the stuff that nobody else is watching. Yeah, I, I love that. To watch two wrestlers communicate and to watch two wrestlers turn on a dime and go, oh, oh, oh shit, that, did you see that? Fuck that up. So they're, oh, I see what they're going to do. I love all of that. Oh, yeah. I love all and of that. some people are like that. I mean, when I liken it to most people, it, it's kind of like a magician. Very much so. When you learn the tricks, the majority of the people don't want to be interested in it anymore but there are those select few that do know the magic 
right? And still want to know more about it. That's me. I'm that guy. I want. I yeah. want to know. I I love it. That's why I like documentaries. Like, uh, but I'm a documentary nerd anyway. Um, that's my me time. <laughs> right. A nice hot bath. A uh, lovely glass of wine, a uh, cigarette, and a documentary on the laptop, and I'm in heaven. Uh, but that's, that's my meeting. So my documentary, and I love stuff like Beyond the Mat, great documentary. Very good. Um, you know, I like the rise and fall of ECW. Again, very, very fantastic. It was good. Yeah. Um, and I like a lot of that bullshit that WWE pumps out, too, about every wrestler that's realistically no more than VH1's behind the music about wrestling. Sure. Yeah. I like those, too. But um, I, I just love that shit. And... Um, uh, I'll, I'll watch any of that kind of stuff. So I, I, I love, um, you know, how creative comes up with ideas for characters. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let, let's actually, uh, before we take a break, and we'll we'll come back and actually discuss what, the behind the scenes of, of running a promotion. But while you're on your path to wrestling here, mm-hmm. um, character. Let's let's talk character. So so how how did you come up with your in ring persona? Where did where did you come up with yourself? You know, honestly, when I first started, I kind of wanted to do this idea where, like, I would dance to like disco music, and I didn't know how to dance to disco music. So okay, uh, very com- very comedy, by the way. That's very Andy Kaufman. Yes, yeah. so you know that's that's very Andy Kaufman of you, and uh, again shows the ties between the two art. Yeah, but uh, eventually everybody's like, "Hey, you're a dick. Why don't you just be yourself?" I was okay. like, "Okay, I'll give it a shot." And eventually, it just became. Me, who I am, mm-hmm. times 100. Because to the average person that meets me, even though, you know, I- I'm pumping these shows and I'm I'm trying to draw fans in, mm-hmm. when it comes down to it, I'm a dick. Right. And I know I'm a dick, and I know how to make people mad from me being a dick. So or, or when you were first started wrestling, did you instantly go heel? Did you? I started that outside first of year. the disco. Also, when you first started to be the dick thing, because you could be a dick and still be a, a face. I mean, depending on your shtick. Sure, it's harder, but it can happen. Well, when I finally did it, it was I was a baby face for the first year, and then I became the heel when I tried it, and it worked. Which is more fun? Yes, it really is. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't be a baby face if I tried. Um, <laughs> I'm terrible either. at it, um, but. It basically got to that point, and think back then I'm six four, mm-hmm. one eighty, okay. long blonde hair. Okay. okay, yeah, and people looked at me and they're like, "You're an asshole," and I never did anything. You know, a lot of people bring their their natural personality. Um, for people that are familiar with Stone Cold Steve Austin, that is Steve Williams. That is who he is. Yeah, that is just that that dude. You know, unfil again, very deadbeat radio approved. He is unfiltered, unbiased. You know, and so Ric Flair, dude, that's Ric Flair. Yeah. Um, when I was in high school, a girl um that uh worked with my best friend, and we all ran in circles, dated a local wrestler at the time. Okay. And he used to sit down and regale us with his stories of his. This was again before the internet age, so the cave. Wow. So we we again as marks who couldn't get fed um, the way we can now we just we hungered like a vampire you know wandering the wilderness like I'll feed his stories master of what goes on behind the curtain and um, he would tell us stories about like well you know the the more senior wrestler of the two dictates the match and we're like oh that's cool you know so if you if you're ever gonna wrestle Ric Flair. You don't get to say shit. Ric Flair is like, all right, here's what we're going to do, and you're going to do it with me. And you're like, I'm in. I'm yeah. in. And so he would tell us stuff like that. 
And he told the story. It was almost like the the song "Brandy, You're a Fine Girl." Yeah. Uh, we were Brandy, and he was the sailor. We were just like, oh. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he um, he told a story. Uh, I never forget it of working as a jobber uh, for the NWA WCW at the time. Okay. And so he was nobody. <laughs> nobody knew. Him. He admitted it right then. He was like, I was a jobber, and he told a story of uh, wrestling Arn Anderson, one of the all time greats. Sure. And again, a an era when it was that dude who would just beat your ass in a bar if you looked at his lady or stepped on his boots. Sure. That was Arn Anderson. Yeah. And he would win. He was that guy. If you stepped on Arn Anderson's boots in nineteen eighty five, you're gonna get teeth knocked out and, and that's what's gonna happen. And so Arn was wrestling him, and so Arn's in control because clearly Brian his name was Brian, I don't even remember his last name, but Brian was a big pile of dog shit and Arn Anderson was a superstar. Arn Anderson told him to do something. I think it was like um, they were going to. He was supposed to take a bump. He was supposed to come across the um, the ropes in an Irish whip, come back, um, take a bump, and instead he ducked the lariat. Arn Anderson turned around. Brian got a punch in the face. Arn sold it, and there was a pop. Brian got a pop. He was not supposed to get. And again, for non wrestling fans, a pop is any time the audience goes woo. You know, that's just what that is. And so uh, uh, Brian got a pop he was not supposed to get. And Arn, at that point, proceeded to beat the literal live action, no bullshit, dog crap out of this guy for the next however so many minutes. (laughs) Um, And I just always thought that was the coolest thing that was like, oh, that can happen? Like, to me, that was like, oh, wow. I just The way things work behind the scenes. And so I love any character like Ric Flair. And Brian told us one time that he met Ric Flair in his trip around WCW and that Ric was really that guy. He would walk in a bar and just be like, ladies, can't none of you be first, but you can all be next. And he was just flying, limousine, riding everywhere he went. Mm-hmm. And so um, did you did you feel obviously comfortable, but did you feel it, it, it worked? I mean, you, you saw success as yourself. Were you one of these lucky few? Uh, locally for... Quite a few years, yeah. Uh, I, I got really good at getting to the point where I could just walk out, look at the crowd with a certain look, and people would just hate me. And nice. the villain's fun. It it really is, and I mean, it's it never got old. No, it never got old. No, uh, you just try, keep developing, and then just eventually personal life and. Oh, dude, I understand that. Now, do, you, do you have a family, you have wife, kids? I, uh, I have a daughter. She's six. Nice, nice, nice. I, 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 do you still get contact? Are you, uh, uh, you in each other's lives? I mean, I don't mean to bring up anything rude, but, like, do you do you get to spend time with, with her? I, I try, but it's a long story. All right, I, we don't have to get into it. Um, but um, So, obviously, you, you, you enjoy being the dad, but it is, um, um, as any performer knows, it, 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 it changes things. You can't do what you can could have done before right. anytime you have that kind of responsibility um you get into a uh a, a, a battle internally where you're like i love doing this if i was making seinfeld money i could do this and this no problem mm-hmm. but at my level i can't it costs a lot of money for any artist to to yeah. To to get to that point where you can succeed, yeah. Um, you, for any artist, for you know, if you're painting, it costs supplies and showing your art, and you have to spend that money and and pray and roll the dice. For a musician, you have to get out on the road and try, and you may end up costing more money to get there than you're going to make, and you may fail. And, and for comics, wrestling, all of that is the same. Yeah. 
And so um, when you're 20 and have no responsibilities and can go three days without eating and live in a car, that's okay. great. But when you've got a wife, kids, day job, any of that, you know, um, family that, you know, sick, whatever, it changes shit. You can't do what you want to do. Um, and I totally understand that. I, I've had to take a comedy sabbatical because a new job and, and this is where we are. My wife, I've talked about it before, is on disability. Mm -hmm. um, so we have uh, a very limited income, two young kids. So it, it, is, it is difficult. But if you love it, you try to make it work where you can. And yeah. you guys are really apparently doing what we can in Kapow, and uh, I think that's awesome. Um, I've always wanted to do it. I'm jealous. I'm so <laughs> jealous. Like, um, again, I told you I wrote the paper. I think in a, in a parallel universe, I could have done it. And I, I don't. I know everybody goes with comedy. It's like I could be I could be a comedian. People work to me. I'm funny. And so I'm sure you get a lot of that. I, I could do. A, I could be a wrestler. I, you have I, no I, idea. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. As a comedian, trust me, I do. <laughs> I do. But as somebody who who knows the bullshit, I give an honest opinion. I think in a parallel universe, I could have done it. I love it. Um, I'm six four ish. You know, mm -hmm. um, in the 200 pound range in my overweight self. So with the physical conditioning, which can be done, whether you do or not, it's a different story. I think I could have done it. I know enough about it to know um, what I need, you know, that I don't know shit. I know you need training. You have to learn this. And, and I, I know the sport enough to go, if I studied it and I learned how to do it, I, I, I as a layman, I comprehend enough of behind the scenes to go, okay, all right. So if I studied it I, and, and, and did the physical part of it, I think I'd do great because I love character work. I, I, I love it. Yeah. Even as a comedian, I'll do anything character-based I can. I try to pick up extra gigs where I can because of my look. You know, I, I, and I, I think I could have done it in a parallel universe. There, there's a Lance who could have been an indie wrestler. <laughs> um, I still think even at my age, there's hope for me to be a manager. Well, I don't know. There's a, there's a guy who's in his late 60s just learning how to be a wrestler in, like, no Florida. Oh shit. Yeah. Right? So oh, that my on God. one of those uh, Facebook posts that everybody posts in oh, the I wrestling world. I haven't seen that. Okay, I haven't seen that. Yeah. Um, when you when we get back home or later before we get to post that to me, because I'm not familiar with that, I'd love to see that. But I'm 42. I'm pretty sure that uh, and I, I'm broken already physically and did nothing. Like Unlike a wrestler, I did nothing to deserve it. And I'm already physically broken and 42. So I don't think I see that happening. But I think I could be a manager. I think that's something I could do. Um, and, and with my entertainment background, being a performer, um, so, uh, if you ever have manager applications, let me know. I would like to submit. I think All I right. could do that. Um, cause I, um, I loved that era when every good wrestler had a, had a, just a manager character. Yeah, that was a good era. Do you, do you guys do that with Kapow's? I mean, is manager still a thing? Again, I don't follow current products, so I don't know. Um, Here and there it's on the indie level. It's really hard to find a manager because like. Like you said, in the comedic world, oh, I I, I could be a stand-up comic. My friends uh, oh, yeah. think I'm funny. Oh, yeah. everybody. Well, everybody thinks because they're that guy at work, they can be a wrestling manager, too. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. So it's they're, like, they're hard to find. It is hard to find, too, because you, you do have to know, have to know that. Man, I know you know you think you could do this, but you know how much work is. They don't just go out there. You think a wrestling manager literally walks to the ring, stands outside, and yells. That's not what they do. There's no. a lot of work. Yeah. And so with comedy, people go, well, people have to work to me. I'm funny. And I go, yeah, but you don't realize how much goes into timing, presence, where to hold your mic, where to hold your pause, how to write your jokes, where to how to line up your jokes, how to make sure that you start off on the right foot. How to, There's so much work in the art, just like painting. You go, I could paint a picture. 
Yeah, but can you shade that perfect red plus the shine on the hump of the apple? I can't. I don't know. I don't know shit about painting. I can't do that. But I do know enough about wrestling to think I could do it. Just like with comedy, I got into it and was like, okay, I can learn this. And I did. Right. And I love it. And I'm good at it. And um, and I'm not tooting my horn. I'm, I'm good at it. I'm clearly not hitting that Seinfeld money where <laughs> I can do it full time. Right. You know, but... Um, uh, I can I can bring a crowd. I can kill a crowd. Um, I can lose a crowd. Even even the best fuck shit up. But um, I, I I'm a good comic, and to be a good wrestler or even a manager, you have to do so much more than just what you the audience sees. Yeah, you really do. I, and even thinking about it, it, it takes a lot to be a pro wrestler, and there are so many of them. But when a guy finds out he can't do what those guys do in the ring right. and has to be a manager, there's far less of those guys that stick around to learn. Really? Yes. Do they get defeated and just run away? Yes. Normally when it doesn't work out, they're gone. And then you really get mostly good guys, but, I mean, even occasionally. Because, again, people don't realize this. Even referees and, and, and valets and managers, anybody who gets within three feet of that ring – takes the same wrestling training. They just don't have to do the, you know, you don't have to do the work. You have to get your body, and you don't have to. But you still have to learn how to take bumps. All of those people, anybody mm-hmm. who gets, if you touch the ring apron, you fucking take training. Yeah. And people don't realize that. That's another thing. You're like, I'm going to do all the same training, and I don't get to be a superstar. Fuck this. Is that what ends up happening? Well, either that or guys who realize they can't make it in the ring, so they're like, okay, well, I'll just be a manager because – you know, that didn't work out for me. How, it happens. How many people hit wrestling school just to be a manager? How many people hit the ring, hit the wrestling school and go, look, I know my place. This is what I want to do. I, I can't do that. Not going to happen. Don't want to do that. But I want to do this. And I, Few and far between. Really? Uh, most places it's guys get their buddy on a show and then all of a sudden they're wrestling manager. It happens okay. all the time. Okay, now here's a question. Here's one of those kayfabe behind the wall things I've never honestly figured out. And again, I know if I got into the industry, I would have to learn this. But at this point, you're going to tell me for free because we're friends and we're sitting here hanging out. I've offered you a chance to to be my friend today and you're going to spill the beans. All right. Um, When it comes to a wrestling manager, how much actual managing do they do versus this is just a character we've paired you up with? Some guys do have, uh, I guess, what you would consider a manager. They'd handle their bookings, different mm-hmm, things like mm-hmm. that. There, There's a small percentage, but most are just a character. And even in my day of being a youth, when I was watching as a child and you believe far more shit, that was always my guess. I was always like, Jimmy Hart doesn't do shit for these guys, but he's just as vital and it's just as important. And he still has to, in the ring, he's doing stuff. But he's realistically more of just a third tag team partner at that point. I mean, they would travel with their guys they were managing back then. You were always in the car together because that's what it was. Because you were, instead of a tag team, you were really a stable. Well, I mean, yes. Or if you were just a singles wrestler, you were a tag team. Yeah, and you just had a, a different role in the group. Right. You know that you was... didn't have to be the guy in the middle of it. No. You you could be the guy on the outside. They would drive some of the guys, handle the hotel bookings, things like that. Uh, they do small things for them, but as far as like control their money, things like that, no. Well, in that case too, you think about it, it's like. It, it, as any good relationship of any form, whether it's with a business organization, a marriage, uh, a, a co-parent relationship, any any form of relationship, there is a delegation of duties, aces in their places. Mm-hmm. I can do this. 
I can't do that. You can do that. Cool. You do that. I'll do this. Yeah. We'll get to get right. Yeah. And so um, with a wrestling manager situation, if you do look at them as a tag team or just that third member of the tag team, you get a, look, man, I, I, I'm nothing without you. Nobody wants to watch a manager. So I can make us more entertaining if you can actually get us there. So for my part of this, I'll handle the booking. I'll do this. You go get us on TV and you make it and I'll do this. And then I'll do my other stuff where I distract the ref and I get to play and I hype up the crowd because I'm the flavor flavor of the group. Yeah. And, you know, and so um, much like in my role with my wife, she is a disabled. She cannot work. So, you know what? She does shit that I can't do. She keeps people fucking alive. She yeah. makes sure my kids get up, brush their teeth, get dressed and get to school because she's <laughs> there for that. And you know what I do? I fund it. We each have our thing. I go, I go to work. I got to I got to do my thing. So I'll make sure there's food in the fridge for you to feed these motherfuckers so they can eat and you <laughs> right. make sure they get up to go to school so that someday they'll learn something so that way when we're both old and crippled they'll have a job and take care of us it's a whole cycle that's what we do yeah and with a wrestling manager situation that 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 that, that makes sense to go hey i'll i'll do the business i'll do the books you be the superstar and we'll work this together yeah e even on the independence there are some situations like that uh they they work as a legitimate team so yeah uh but, yeah, for the most part, it's just characters, but that does still really exist. Yeah, and I'm sure even in a tag team without a manager, there's one member who's like, all right, I got us. I got, okay, I got the car booked for us. Yeah. No, I know you're a moron, so, oh, did you did you get us donuts? Cool, then that's your part it's of the like job. It's like being then. married. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And uh, I love, um, we we hear um, at Debbie Radio, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but I belong to a group called the Dead Beats of Comedy. That's why we get the name for the show. And um, it's um, uh, kind of, again, not punk rock's the wrong word, but just a, a group of misfits. We've always considered ourselves, um, you know, comedy on a different level. And um, I've always compared it to a wrestling stable. To me, that's I like that. I like the, um, the organization. I, I know that I'm missing a lot of pieces to my personal puzzle, and so I need to work with people who fit those pieces so that we can be a group. Oh, yeah. I know a lot of other comedians have noticed that. I think there's one, that uh, a group of four that does a – a wrestling comedy tour. It's like based off of the NWO. I saw it not too long ago. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I love that. So for me, that's a big thing. And, um, I, uh, I, I love the thought of, of people working in tandem in their groups. So I like a good manager as a, I grew up with that Jimmy Hart and his jackets and his bullhorn and Polly dangerously with his cell phone and Jim Cornette had his tennis racket and, and there he was and he would distract the I love that shit. Oh, love yeah. that. Mr. Fuji, uh, you know. Who was the East Tennessee native. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, used to work at East Town Mall. Dude, I, I've been to movies where he punched tickets. Yes. And I, I actually have a... Uh, uh, a Mr. Fuji story. I've told this before, but I'll uh, I'll bust out real quick, and then we'll go take a break, take a piss, uh, grab a cigarette. Um, and uh, I was bouncing at the time. I was in my early twenties. I was, and this again, one of those things where I think my parallel universe sprouted off because I was working out. I was in shape. I'm six yeah. four, so again, I had shaved head, goatee, had the look at the time, and I was like, had I trained, I think I could have, you know, maybe gave this a shot. Maybe I would have sucked at it, but I have the skills to at least give it a shot. Right. And I decided to um, bounce, uh, you know, um, and I was doing that. And there was this thing, and I had no formal training. Again, please, I was at this point all look. So again, but you can take somebody who has the look and train them. And get them going. So I, I could have the, the the wrestling legend could have found me, and you know, in a movie, and we could have done our thing. But um, I decided to enter this street wrestling tournament at Tally Ward in Morristown, and I thought, oh, this would be great. The like it was lightweight and heavyweight divisions, and it was um, 
a like 190 pounds and under 91 and up whatever and i had this just stupid just dumb delusions of grandeur i was like i'll go in there that was about 190 something 180 something i was like fuck i'll slap some little bitches around this will be fun that's great no and i again had no training whatsoever i literally just thought i would get in there dumbest thing ever but i was like i'm gonna do this and then i find out it's no striking and i was like oh shit Mm-hmm. I just thought I was like slam some bitches around. I don't know training, and you get there, and most people there had had like either came out of the judo world or what was blossoming at the time MMA, and came out of this like you know jujitsu stuff like that. Yeah, and then there was me, this dumbass stoner, uh, lived up in an apartment with a cat and bounced at night, and is it dumb, dumb, really dumb? <laughs> no, but Mister Fuji was one of the judges, and um, I got. I got, luckily, I got tied up with another guy who shouldn't have been there. Just a fat dude who took judo. And I was like, great. <laughs> I think I can do this. Yeah. I And I, I, I try, you know, we get to, I get, I have no, 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 no lessons of any form. He does take judo, but apparently right away he sucks at it. So, again, another guy with delusions of grandeur. Couldn't have been luckier. Um, we lock up a couple times. We fall to the mat. It was in a real wrestling ring, so that was kind of fun. I got to I got to at least live a fantasy for five minutes, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm in the wrestling ring, uh, and I'm fighting this guy, and he's got on his gi, and we're we're doing a thing. And a couple times, I get him in a headlock. And, you know, I, I I can't move him because I'm not really that in shape. I can't move this fat dude. Like I yeah. got no skill. I got yeah. nothing. But I get him in a headlock, and I hold him. And a couple times, he falls on me. And it was like if you uh, got three. Um, takedowns you were out so many points they had a whole system but any whatever i don't remember what it was but i was i'd fallen to the the mat a couple times and i I couldn't literally strong enough to get this guy off me but i got the rope so the ref gets him off me you know classic they get get the rope and he breaks the old school hulk hogan he gets me off (laughs) and finally i get him in a headlock and just for some my body took over and i did a running bulldog real old school (laughs) the only real pro wrestling move done all day right because everybody here is really trained they're doing like jujitsu and mma and judo and and i'm pretending to be i'm a child pretending to cosplaying a wrestler that's all i'm doing yeah and luckily i i hook up with another child cosplaying a judo fighter (laughs) and uh i I do a bulldog and mr fuji stands up and cheers and he's got this big boomy mr miyagi voice for anybody who's ever actually heard him he's like yeah and so i was like uh mr fuji cheered for me i can die happily that's it yeah yeah i finally get pinned it's my last time i'm pulling my arm up off i'm doing the hulk hogan i'm literally pulling my arm up but i can't get him uh, off yeah (laughs) and finally i was just like starting to pass out he's really laying on me fat dude i'm passing out (laughs) and i was like let's take it home and i throw the shoulder down i get knocked out i'm out i've had my fun my fantasy rock camp if you will yeah nobody got hurt the guy who beat me went on to face the guy who ended up winning because it turned out, by the way, I forgot to part, put this part of the story. I was two pounds into the heavyweight division instead of being like two pounds under. Like I thought I was going to be a lightweight. I'm two pounds over. I'm a minute to destroy it. The guy who beat me went up against the guy who won the whole thing that broke his nose in a camel clutch. To the point, He had him in the, the camel clutch, cross face, yeah. you know, and, and he just had his hands there. And you could see this fat guy struggling. And I was like, that could have been me. Oh, thank God. That could have been me. And you hear this pop, and blood shoots out like a fucking horror movie squib. Uh. And I was like, thank God, that could have been me. I'm out. This was great. So that's my one even remote experience in a wrestling ring. Nice. But I think it's a pretty good one. Uh, It's a very dad story. I'm happy to have it. 
Uh, and uh, when we get back, we'll take a break here. I want to get into what what it takes to actually run a promotion. What's cool, what goes on behind the scenes? What you guys do to to uh, uh, kind of you know book talent and how you, you make decisions? Because that's the stuff I want to know. I, so, and then we'll do the five to drive. So um, we'll be back here on Debbie Radio Stage Diver Network with Donovan Daniels, co-owner of Kapow, and telling us his wrestling tales. This is our first inside the ring interview, and we will be back shortly. So stick around. I would walk ten miles on my hands and knees. Ain't no doubt about it, baby. It's you are in the bees. I'm wrestling with a lion and a grizzly bear. It's my life, baby, but I don't care. Ain't that tough enough? Ain't that tough Can I help you? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for a Dr. Vincent West. He's in the crematory. Let me get him for you. All right, no problem. Thank you. Okay. Corey, my man, what's going on? West. What's going on? Uh, we're supposed to do an ad for Stage Diver. Uh, oh, sweet. Uh, well, let's do it right now, I guess. Sorry to bother you. I'm sure you're busy. <clears throat> nah, it's school, man. Who, who are you uh, cremating? Melting some uh, folks that were needed to be burned, you know. Got to right. keep the oven warm. All right. It's hot in Florida. Yeah, um, as long as that's not anti-Semitic, that's good. No, man. No, no, no. I just I like the heat and I like burning bodies. Yeah, we got to do this uh, plug thing. I, I don't mean to bother you, but Mitch has been bugging me to, to do it. So let's uh, let's fire it up. Cool. This is Dr. Vincent West with the Phantasm Podcast. And you're listening to us on our new home on the Stage Diver Network. The only podcast where you can get horror movie reviews and death metal interviews all in one body bag. Suffer! We are back from break here on Deadbeat Radio, Stage Diver Network. We love for you to guys give us a shout. Find us on Facebook. Share us with your friends. Um, we love to have anybody uh, uh, tell anybody that we do something you like. And we appreciate anybody who appreciates us. And we appreciate having a good guest. And today I've had a great guest. I'm having so much fun. Donovan Daniels with Kapow Wrestling. Um Dude, this has been one of, the, again, those stepbrothers moments where I've just been like, oh, where have you been? I'm alive, man. <laughs> we should have been riding bicycles together to the VHS store. Yeah. Uh, except I would have been 18, you would have been 8, and that would have been creepy. Uh, but um, now that we're adults, we, we can still ride our bike to the video store. I just That's a long yeah. ride because I don't know where the closest video store is. Michigan, but, maybe? Um, there's one in Newport. I know that. Oh. Uh, yeah, I, I work in – there's a pretty good uh, wrestling community around there. Um, yeah. Some people I know. I don't know if you work down there at all, but um, Newport has a video store. And, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I used to work uh, for a video game retailer there in Newport uh, for a long time. 
and uh, uh, fun. I, you know, I know it's kind of redneck, but it's a fun town. I like it. I'd say it's a great place for a wrestling venue. Uh, we've done comedy there a couple times. It's uh, it's hit or miss. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so Kapow Wrestling. Let's uh, let's kind of get back into where we were again. Donovan Daniels running a, a, a Kapow uh, as a co-owner with that, and and you said you had been a wrestler, but now you're behind the scenes doing more of that. Um, and I, I I always wonder what what really goes into um, running an indie organization because as a, a comedian you don't know about you know trying to get bookings and hire the venue and, and line up other acts so when you go to do a show obviously you have to get a venue you have mm-hmm. to book a lineup and you have to see you know obviously you try to get like a comedy show try to get some out of town or if you can to come in and be that you know a big talent and when you can that's always fun yeah if you can get some big talent to come in so when you go to think of stuff and again like a, a comedy or music lineup of a set list you have to plan the wrestling um what what do you handle specifically? Like, where is your forte? What do you like to do the most? Uh, mine would mostly be the promotion end. All right. Um, I'm constantly plugging away Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, Major I'm All over. Major in today's world for any artist you have to. If you're a band and you're not promoting yourself, back in the day it was flyers. You know, yeah. but now it's it's social media and everything. So that's um, – I like what Kapow does. For somebody who sees it, because I follow you guys, and um, for somebody who gets to see what you do, I like the um, – the way you guys really – it's an old-school throwback to me. I like promos and vignettes. I love it. Yeah. And you guys do a lot of that. You know, the smack talking, one of the best parts of wrestling. Um, and you guys do it so well. I love the the old-school throwbacks. So I, I'm a big fan of what you guys do. Um, so obviously that's intentional. You know, you guys really <laughs> plan that out. Yeah. Um, how much – creativity do you give your performers i know with the now today's world vince mcmahon keeps everything under strict lock and key everything goes through creative versus people like stone cold and and randy macho savage who could be their own wrestler and be their own character and write their own path how much creativity do you allow versus you go this is what you're going to do well we're more of a our guys don't know what they're doing they know what match they're having but they have no idea what's going on until they get there Okay. We don't tell them because, honestly, with what we try to promote is what we want to see. And we just hope that people agree with us. We want them to have fun just like everybody else. So when it comes down to it, we have a direction we want them to go to, but we tell them how to get there. We don't tell them how to get there. Right. We, we give them freedom and say, this is the end game. Get there. So if I'm understanding, you don't write characters, you hire characters. Yes. Okay, cool. Yes. Is that common? So, again, with, with people like the WWE, most people know that you hire a, a wrestler and you go, look, I see your raw talent. I like what you're doing, but we're going to shape you. We're going to help create you. We're going to give you some ideas. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it is with comedy, music, anything. You go from the place where you're in a garage band to the place you're playing some shows to the place you're in a, a big manager's office. And they go, okay, we want a different look a little bit. We want, you know, and that's that's all mm-hmm. art mediums. That's just the way it is. Yeah. And wrestling is no different. Comedy is no different. Well, you, you know, maybe you should steer your act this way. These jokes really do better. Once you start getting people involved, that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So with the WWE, they're very big now for people, again, that aren't wrestling fans. Um, to give you an idea, uh, once upon a time, they would hire characters and go, come in, bring your character. We want to see what you do. Great. And now they write characters. Very different. Is the indie level still mostly hiring characters? Yes. That's, yeah. So that's not just Kapow. That's the 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 level in general is, is doing that. Well, it- Professional wrestling's been around for <laughs> over a hundred years, um, and everything's been done before. True. 
So nobody's bringing something original to the table. They're just bringing their own version of something that's been done before. And if they do well enough, then those are people that get consideration for others. That's true. And I, I like, I, I don't mind somebody wearing their influence on a sleeve, even in a band. You know, there's like the big thing now with Greta Van Fleet. Are you familiar? Mm-hmm. Um, dude, if you, if I played it right now, you would swear it was Led Zeppelin. Like a, a, a dude, it's, it's, it's amazing. Like, nice. like, Oh, I mean, it's, it's one of those where you're like, you could blindfold somebody and sh- and they would never know it. it they, and it, it, it's getting a huge, bad reputation. about Oh, just a big Zeppelin knockoff. It's like, yeah. Do you know how hard that is? So when people go, well, he's just a stone cold ripoff. Is he doing it well enough? You're comparing it. Then he's doing it well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, there was a time when Shawn Michaels was a Ric Flair ripoff. Yeah. Cause he's doing that character really well. Yeah. <laughs> really well. So it's like, you can actually do, you can reinvent that wheel, but if you can make it a better wheel or at least as good a wheel, fuck it, do it. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's really kind of, Come down to that when everything's been done. Um, you see different variations, twists on stuff, but I mean, we don't, we hire professionals and we look for people who are professional enough to know where to steer something, people who know where a story should go. So they're both. Um- um, there are both types of people who excel. There are people who go, no, I got this. I know the character. I got yeah. it. And there are people who go, no, no, I need something. Give me something. What do you got? Oh, I can do that. And so there are people that need a character written for them and can yeah. fucking bat it out of the park. And there are people that can just go. Comedy is the same way. You know, with a lot of comedians, um, they have writers. And so there are comedians, just like some singers don't write songs. Elvis, singer, not a songwriter. Yeah. You know what I mean? There are people who write the songs that can't sing them. You know, there's some fat bearded dude who can barely walk that's in some cafe somewhere writing every song you hear on country music radio. That's just mm-hmm. the way it works. And so there are wrestlers who need a gimmick given and gimmick wrestlers who just need to be left the fuck alone. And I think that's the natural um, instinct of the way it should be. So somebody can reinvent the wheel. Somebody can go, yeah, that's great. I love that as a kid. I love what he's doing now. And so uh, I, I think that's awesome. When you get somebody that you go, okay, I like what you're doing, do you guys still step in and go, hey, you know, have you ever thought about this? Do you try to shape potential now that you've done it for a while and you look back? Do you? Because as a comedian, it's real hard to be like, hey, man, that joke, it would be really good if you – there are people you can talk to like that, but it's hard to like – I like what you're doing, but just a suggestion, you might want to add that or lose that. Um, do you still find that um, mentorish role as somebody who owns a, 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 or do you like, I got bigger shit to worry about? Either you sink or swim. No, uh, we notice. Um, I mean, it, it, it's hard not to take an interest, you know, and give them encouragement like I, I know that I see what you're trying to do but what if you tried like this and then because I'm in a role where you know I'm the guy paying the bills for the event right and now I know well this is what I want I think it's gonna work and I'm willing to bet on it so you you still want to give those little suggestions because well I can kind of see it going this way. Do you do you see a way to get it there? And then, oh yeah, well this, okay, perfect. That's exactly what I was thinking. So there there is the suggestion, the molding, because unless you're learning, there's no point in being there because nobody learns 
everything about professional wrestling. That's what it is with anything. It's the same thing when people come to an open mic and they're just like, no, no, I'm, I'm here because I, I know what I'm doing. It's like, if you knew what you were doing, you wouldn't be here. Right? Yeah. You'd be, again, making that Seinfeld money. But you're not. And you may get there. And we can all work together and get there. Um, when um, you are booking a show um, and you're kind of writing things out, how important is the flow of the matches? When you, when you go to think about the order to book things in, you know, you gotta get, well, we got to kick it off here, and then from there we're going to move there. Do you, like, put a lot of effort into that? Like, is that a huge uh, <laughs> uh, Is that a huge uh, 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 thought process, or is that something that's just, like, tossed together? Uh, no, it, there's thought put into it uh, because, uh, I mean, you can't start way up high mm-hmm. and then go to a low and then try to bring it back. Because unless you keep that baseline to where it finally builds and builds and builds until finally it gets the big explosion at the end, leaving the either the what the fuck <laughs> or, man, I can't wait to see what happens right. next. Tune in next week. Exactly. So you, you've got to know, okay, well, this is where they were at at the last event. Maybe if we start it here, because the way we have to map out the card is based off of talent and their availability. Mm-hmm. It's the number one thing. Right. Well, book somewhere else. Well, we got to try a different direction. Right. And steer around it. And independent wrestling, there is a certain sense of loyalty if, you know, it's, oh, it's my home show. It's where I got my start, things like that. Right. But when it comes down to it, you where's where my best is. exposure? Right. You and where my money is, yeah. So we kind of have to work around it because we're still kind of a – Upstart. Have you guys have been around say. how long? How long have you guys been here? Off and on for 12 years. Okay. But we just got back into the game in June. Okay, so less than a year in its current incarnation. Yes. Okay, cool. Yes. Uh, we just kind of were, we missed it. We stepped away for years, me and my partner Nick, and uh, finally one day somebody was messaging me going, hey, is Kapow coming back? And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, Nick just messaged me about coming in for such and such date. And I'm like, Nick, how much money am I spending this time? Talk about a marriage conversation. Yeah. That's, well, that's when a, you that's run a, a marriage conversation where somebody's like, hey, man, so talk to your wife. You're throwing a party on Saturday? I was like, I'm throwing a party. What? I'm, all right. I guess I'm throwing a party on Saturday. <laughs> right. That's a marriage right there. But, I mean, once you, me and him have ran it together for so long, it's, it was just like, Man, running this is like being married. I can't. I miss it. Yeah. Damn it. Let's go. Nice. So uh, the first event was very well received. Brought back our second event, and we had standing room only. Dude, that's tight. That's it, awesome. It's nice. It's um, a good feeling. It, it's, it's orgasmic for anybody who's never been on stage or in a ring and heard that audience reaction instantly to something you did, and especially if you created it and it was your idea and it was all just like, you're like, that's my moment. Dude, it's, it, it's dick hard. Just, oh, it's so good. Oh, I know. And it all started based off of a completely organic story. So I'll give you a behind-the-scenes story. Ooh, come All right. out behind the scenes. So we're in the back, and uh, we had booked for our first uh, solo show back. Uh, got a local guy by the name of Brad Cash, which he's done IWA King of the Death matches. I think the name rings a bell. Obviously, I've seen a ton of your promos, so the name rings a bell. He's kind of a douchebag now, but um, ruining everything. Uh, 
So he's in the back with me, and he's wrestling a local favorite, and uh, her name's Nicole Payne. Intergender. So you guys do intergender? Okay, cool. The intergender, it completely men, women, doesn't matter. I was gonna we actually, don't have that barrier. That's on my list to talk to you about, because about, I noticed you do guys book a lot of women, so I was going to talk to you about it. So we, I definitely we're going back to that. But I didn't realize you guys do intergender. I think that's... Um, I think that's that's awesome. Uh, my wife and I, funny enough, used to love to play on PlayStation Two back in the days when we were dating in, in our apartment, uh, wrestling games. She just she Smackdown loved versus it. Raw, yeah. yeah, man, loved it. And we would uh, like when when one of us was at work, the other one would stay at home making the new character. I can't wait to debut my <laughs> new character tonight. And so we loved this, and it was just one of the most um, special moments in our relationship that we look back on. Yeah. So after the kids are born and we get back into video gaming, we had video games in a long time. I'm working for a video game retailer. I get discounts. I get a free system for training. And so it's great. So we started getting get a wrestling game. First one I played 10 to 15 years. I couldn't wait. And we were like, we were both excited, just like, yes. <laughs> and they do not allow intergender wrestling anymore. Because we used to just fuck it, we would make our own characters and get on a wrestling game. It doesn't matter. So that's definitely something I'm definitely interested to hear about. That you guys just book that and and because you don't even see that in the big the big the big shows anymore. No. That's not a thing that happens. Even mixed tag. Um, so that's awesome that you guys just say fuck it, wrestlers wrestle. Oh yeah, um, and uh, that's uh, so they're talking in the back mm -hmm. and talking about like breaking barriers. Um, as far as intergender wrestling, because mm -hmm. it, it really is not a huge thing anymore. Um, so they look at me in the back and they're like, you okay if there's blood? I was like, I'm not even going to ask which one of you, but okay. Cause I assumed it would be Brad. Mm -hmm. Well, Brad's like, okay, I'm just going to do this deal. It's going to be a DQ. I'm going to throw the chair to her and I'm going to punch the chair. I was like, okay, cool. Well, I hear this big, oh, while I'm in the back. Like, what the hell? So I'm like, eh, all right, never mind. I, I, I'll just ask about it later. I had to do something else. <laughs> do again, running a promotion. You got other shit to do. Yeah. So I'm walking. I go to do something, and I come to the back, and here's Nicole Payne completely covered from head to toe in blood, and I'm going, what the fuck is this? I told you a little bit, not the whole damn thing. And I was like, I, I thought you were just punching a chair. He goes, no, no, it, it, it changed. I was like, okay. So somebody comes up to me, and they're like, do you see this? And I look, and instead of throwing the chair to her, he throws it as hard as he can Ooh. through her head. And literally, this, this video got about 5,000 views. Nice. And then the next month, we did a intergender Fans bring the weapons match. <laughs> so, okay. So I've seen that before. I remember in the days of ECW, they would do crazy shit like that. It's mm -hmm. a huge gimmick. And I love, again, I love shtick, which is why I love wrestling of any form. I love cage matches and I love shtick. So I'm all for that. So when, when you're setting up a wrestling match for people, again, that don't know, when you get hit by a chair, that's a chair. It's There's a nothing done with that chair. You have to learn how to, where to hit your opponent. You have to learn how to take it, though, you know, how to brace yourself. Those are the things that make you a professional wrestler versus just two assholes in a basement swinging a chair. Yeah. I mean, that is the difference. How, where do I hit you perfectly? I have to hold it. There's, I, you come here, you turn. Like, those are the things that separate a wrestling from two assholes in a basement. So... 
But there are things like when it comes to certain types of weapons, there are we purposely picked this type of chair versus that type of chair. It's a real chair, but this chair is 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 different. It's curved here. You can um you can prepare some ways when you bring your own. When you let the audience bring it, that enters a chaos factor. Mm-hmm. How crazy does that get, and how dangerous is that really? Oh, it, it versus a normal dangerous. weapons match. Well, you know what I mean. mean You'll get some people trying to be funny. Right. They'll bring like a thing of Rice Krispie treats or nachos or a right. chocolate cake. Okay. And then you get some people who are downright psychotic that'll bring a giant nice. blow up pop wrapped in barbed wire. Right. Or a Christmas tree. Do you get stupid shit like knives and guns? No, they're no, not nobody. allowed in the building. Okay. Yeah, we, we check for that. So if people, somebody at the door is at least monitoring yes. this on some level. Okay, Yes, cool. no guns, no no knives, no glass. No glass. Okay, that's that's my fair. But nails and shit are good to go? Barbed wire is good there to go? There was barbed wire attacks. Okay, yes. okay. all right. Um, I just think that's insane. But again, like I said, for people listening at home, don't go, oh, you don't do this. There is a, a huge separation in a professional who has trained how to use this weapon against another human being without hurting them in a serious manner. And those people and there who is, stay away from that tend to be the people who last longer. Right. The people who are uh, night in and night out trying to beat each other up with weapons, mm-hmm. most of those are going home real fast. Yeah. I think some of it, too, is... Um, for me, again, coming from what I refer to as the golden age of wrestling, and I know a lot of people do, because uh-huh. um, I grew up, um, again, in the early 80s. So I grew up in the, the beginning of Hulkamania, in mm-hmm. the Roddy Piper's Piper's Pit, Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. So I grew up in those eras, and I loved it, and I ate it up, and I, I watched it morph into what it became. I loved the Attitude Era. Huge fan. So um, for me, at any time, there was always extremities. Mm-hmm. The cage match. Uh, the scaffolding match, you know, and at Hell in a Cell. Oh, yeah. And I love that shit. And so I love a weapons match, you know, a dude can't get a disqualified match. Um, uh, the ECW thing for me, I, as much as I loved it, I, I'm not into the super crazy hardcore weapons. I think it's neat, but it was never my thing as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, again, as an older Mark, I'm like, how are they going to pull this off? Mm-hmm. Holy shit. And things have ramped up and ramped up. But I think, to me, it was always um, – more exciting when it's that special treat. Like with anything, if you get too much of it, you're like, eh, what's next? So I always loved it for for somebody who knew, even in one match, even if it's like a ECW where all matches or anything goes, the best performers are the ones who know when to put it in, when mm-hmm. not to. The jazz phrase of uh, it's what notes not to play. Mm-hmm. If you want to be Sandman, perfect example, classic ECW, carried around the cane, wrestled the fuck out of you, would wrestle like a great wrestler and then would use the cane or whatever or beer can that just at the right time, perfect. Mm-hmm. The, right, the perfect seasoning in the stew. Let's lap that up. That's perfect. Not a lot, just right there. And so those are the best. I think those are always the best is the people that know um, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do this. Yeah. But it's time to do this. Right. <laughs> so what's the single craziest audience brought weapon you can remember? What's just the one that you're like, holy shit, I got to tell you this? Uh, prosthetic leg. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was reaching for my drink. I've got to put that down. That is a standing up. Prosthetic leg. Yeah. Okay. 
Was it like, okay, here's my question. I picture guy, prosthetic, prosthetic leg rolls up, takes it off, and then like hobbles in without it. Or did like somebody else bring it in and just be like, my cousin's at home? Uh, I... I want to say somebody brought it. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, I'm really not sure, and I don't want to know. It makes do it better. You, do you remember? I, I don't even remember his name. We can Google it. But see, this is what Terry's for. Terry, we miss you so bad. I can't Google videos because I'm afraid to actually use the computer. But um, do you remember the kid that had one leg that was in WWF for Zach a while? Zach Gowan. Zach Gowan. Do you remember when Brock Lesnar beat him with his prosthetic leg? Yes, yes I do. <laughs> so was this around the same era, or is this recently that somebody brought this in? Oh no, this was September. Oh Jesus, people that getting is, weird, that man. That's crazy. That's crazy. I uh, want to know where they got it. Is they brought. I'm gonna it. have to come out to one of these events again, <laughs> being an hour away from Knoxville and uh, a wife and full. Uh, full-time job it's hard for me to get out even for my own comedy so it's so hard for me to get to attend things and i want to always support and and promote other friends art even if i can't be there and that's that's what you should always do if you can't be there you know what instead of going on the event page and going wishes i could come but i've got the kids in town look we all got shit to do either show up buy a ticket or or share it on facebook and like it and tell your friends to check it out oh you like wrestling and you don't have a life great go have fun enjoy this wonderful product so um, I need to get a chance to come out because I, I miss live wrestling. I don't get to, to attend it anymore, even on the big tours when they come through. Concerts, yeah. I don't get to do that shit anymore either. I'm old and, and poor, and so <laughs> I don't get to do uh, anything. But um, I need to come out. I need to get in touch with you and come out and see a show. You need to tell me when the, 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 the next one's coming because we got one coming up the 22nd of this month, right? Yes, December 22nd, and the main event is actually the sequel from Fans Bring the Weapons. But nice. The stipulation is, that it has to be Christmas themed. We've already been told Ooh. that somebody's bringing a Christmas tree topped with a coal miner's glove. Okay. Uh, okay. A barbed wire wrapped wreath. Good. Uh, I like it. A I bow like it. wrapped baseball bat. I love it. Uh, just flat out uh, glass Christmas ornaments. Uh, no glass. I thought no glass. Now, apparently, Christmas ornaments are being allowed okay. because my partner told me so. So I just said okay. Okay, I guess <laughs> with a Christmas ornament, it's not like a broken beer bottle. You no. can only do so much damage. Yeah, and then it, it becomes a powder. Yeah, it's yeah. almost sugar glass. Yeah, it's like not quite, but it's almost. Sugar. I mean, it'll cut you. you oh yeah, it'll but, cut. And you could put an eye out. So again, for people listening at home, don't think you can go take little Timmy and smash his head into the Christmas tree because he could break an ornament. He could put an eye out that is possible at least through the wwe instead of me trained professionals who are trained to do this job and receive this job um (laughs) but that is awesome so now where's the 22nd going to be i hope this comes out in time if it doesn't we'll give a chance to where you can let uh find out about the next kapow show sure sure but um where is the show on the 22nd uh it is milton roberts rec center on Asheville highway here in knoxville okay uh Normally, our pre-show starts at 6.30, main card at 7. Okay. Um, normally, we're out by about 9.30, 9.45. Kid-friendly? Yes, it so is actually kid kid-friendly. Friendly. We do make an announcement if there is blood or right. something to be expected, so that way they can take their kids out if right. they need to. Um, we're respectful about that. Awesome. Awesome. As a dad, I appreciate that. Even though, like, I remember going when I was a kid, my mom and dad would just drop me off, pick me up later. And my son, I've taken him to wrestling a couple times. Yeah. Um, the WWE's come around with house shows and we went. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, but it is cool. Cause I think I did. I love the attitude era. I was an adult 
and I don't want necessarily a complete whitewashed product, but I love the family friendly, at least where you can take kids. It's unlike comedy. Now I think comedy should be pretty much an adult art. Yeah. Um, that's a little different. And um, I respect a wrestling that goes, no, we're crazy adult. We do like lingerie storylines and crazy shit and with who we are. If you do that, yeah, again, as anything, we always say here on Debbie Radio, you do you. I don't As long as you don't fuck up with me, I don't care what you choose. That's your business. So if you want to do an adult show, cool. You want to do an all-ages show, cool. I appreciate an all-ages show because to me, that's when I got into wrestling. Yeah. was kids. I mean, like. I don't often quote Whitney Houston, but the children really are the future of wrestling. I mean, like, if you catch them young and get them into it, yeah. and they build that lifelong love, even oh, yeah. though I don't watch it anymore, I still love it. I still, I love it. I, I absolutely love the art. Um, I love everything about it. So um, even with the crazy weapon shows, we do kid-friendly. Um, where can we do tickets? So for anybody who's hearing this and wants to go, um, and if not, if this, it does happen to fuck up an air later, um, where, where's the next one as far as ticket sales? How do we find you? Where's Kapow at? Uh, we do have tickets to December 22nd on sale on Eventbrite. Um, as far as getting in contact with us, Kapow Wrestling on Facebook. And you guys show a lot of the promos there. Yeah. So if you guys want to see some of the wrestlers, we can go check that out there too, right? Oh, yeah. We've started a YouTube channel recently. Nice. Um, Instagram, we're on there. Uh, Twitter, at Wrestling Kapow. Um, we, we just try to get out anywhere we can to try I to need, spread the to word, the man. Twitter. I'm, I'm bad with that. I'm a Facebook guy. I like it. It's simple. It's kind of dumb. It's like your dad's social media, and I'm a dad, so uh, like an old Hank Hill kind of sad dad. So, But I need a Twitter. <laughs> That's a big one. Yeah. Um, so with Kapow Wrestling, for anybody that wants to get in touch, we highly encourage. Again, the product is so well put together. To me, and I say this in the highest compliment, to me, everything I've seen, I haven't got a chance to check out a live show just because, again, I'm old and, and out of fashion. But I, <laughs> right. um, I, everything I've seen reminds me of, again, the WCW that I grew up with. Yeah. Um, I see the ECW seasoning, you know, yeah. but I see an old school product that I can really get behind because yeah. I really like, I always like the WCW, the WCCW, AWA versus the WWF that had that more realistic characters. But there was always, again, the, the redneck in the vest, no shirt and the chaps over his trunk. And by the way, which reminds me, I, I, I do a, in my comedy, I do a bad guy wrestling shtick. Huh. Um, again, please don't think I'm a wrestler. I'm not even remote, <laughs> but I have a character, and um, you can you can tell me what you think of this. Give me honest opinion. Okay, on how, how good or bad this is as somebody. If you saw this character on paper, you would book this character. Okay, please know I'm fat and out of shape. Don't book me. But on paper, <laughs> okay, I created Blackjack Cadillac, where Hollywood meets honky tonk. Um, and it was this tribute to, again, the Barry Windham's Blackjack Mulligans. So I come out, and again, please know I am fat and out of shape and hairy, and this is not a pretty look, and that's the comedy irony of it. But I do the, the black leather vest, no shirt. Okay. I got my fingerless gloves on, my one elbow patch, my, or elbow pad, right? My chaps over my – I bought real wrestling trunks for a stone cold. Chaps, yeah, yeah I've, got, I've got real wrestling trunks. I bought them off uh, High Spot. 
I'm sure that's a a, a wrestling something. I don't know if you've high spots. High spots, yeah. Yeah. So I, I bought I bought the real deal for a, a Stone Cold thing I did um, okay. once upon a time. So I have these wrestling <laughs> trunks that I use for Blackjack Cadillac. I wear the fringe chaps, no uh, no over the wrestling trunks, right? And I got the cheese. I got the little sad kids belt. I want I want a real replica. So oh, uh, you have me until the belt. Uh, well, I, I I don't have a real one. That's what I want. I want a real one. I so bad want a replica. Like I'm envious of anybody who owns an actual wrestling belt. Like the the, the even if it's fake. I don't care, but if the leather, the metal. So all I've got is the little kids one. Because again, with comedy, it's funnier okay. than a real one. Even though, if I could, I would get an. Ex- this is my dumb lottery purchase. If my wife and I ever hit it, hit the the, the big scratcher, um, I want to buy an exact replica of the late '80s, early '90s um, WCW US title. Uh-huh. The eagle with the flag between the tip yeah. of the... That's my all-time favorite belt. Yeah, I the love U.S. It. belt. I love it. Love it. And I want a replica of that. So when the act advances and I get that Seinfeld money, that's going to be the belt. Uh, but yeah, for now, go. it's the little kid's Walmart toy replica mm-hmm. that my wife had to sew an extension in so my fat ass could actually wear it. <laughs> because they're not made for fat-ass men. <laughs> um, so again, I come out. I got my, my cowboy hat on, right? I got my Rob Zombie. I also do a Rob Zombie character. Character um, for like creepy con and shit, which is damn good. I don't know if you've seen my Rob's. I'll show you pictures. It is right. damn good. So I wear the same cowboy hat and my sunglasses, and I come out, and it's basically '80s bad guy pro wrestler shtick. That's the whole thing, right. which is really just me half naked doing what I do. Right. <laughs> and it's uh, uh, it's just the stupid thing I do, and I, I love 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 doing it because it's so dumb. But I do. I want a belt. That's my big thing. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I've always one of the i got to borrow one for a show, a show one time uh the winged eagle the yeah classic. the winged eagle yeah uh, and just the weight of it i was like oh my god it's so heavy i didn't oh uh, and i felt like i felt like i was losing my virginity i i'd never put one on i'd never held a real one quote unquote uh so uh that is that is that was my thing um with kapow um i i love the way you guys have the old school um, WCW throwback kind of characters. And to me, that's what it reminds me of. So it, it, it is something that I would have grown up with and set as a kid and watched on the TV, just like, shh, wrestling's on, uh, and just waited. So it is a classic throwback to the wrestling I grew up with. And I encourage anybody to go check it out. Um, indie wrestling is so fun. Even if you don't like wrestling, here's the deal. I don't like football. But if you invite me to a professional football game, I'm going to go. I don't like baseball. I love going to see live. The event is fun. Mm-hmm. So I encourage people that may be listening that say, but I don't like pro wrestling. Dude, go see a live event. It's a t- it's so fun. Anybody, have you ever been to a hockey game? Yeah. Are you a hockey fan per se? Yes, actually I am. Okay. So then you, you, you will agree. As a hockey fan, you have a different perspective. But how fun is a hockey game live? Oh, very fun. I used to do uh, game operations for the Ice Bears. Really? Yeah. Ah. So, okay, even for anybody who's not a hockey fan, would you encourage them to go? Oh, absolutely. It's so the music and the people. The atmosphere, and, yeah. And you get, you're grabbing a beer and some nachos and a hot dog, and we're with our friends, and we're yelling. And f- wrestling, to me, is the same. Yeah. Go see live professional wrestling. It is it is even for non-fans. Have fun. Enjoy it. Watch. Um, again, I'll reference Glow. For anybody who's seen Glow, yeah. that moment when they take the non-wrestling fans to a wrestling event to show them why what these girls are doing, that moment, remember that in yeah. season one where she gets it? 
the light bulb moment. Yeah. That is what non-wrestling fans could potentially have at a wrestling event. Go, it's fun, it's loud, and it's 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 actually oddly enough, it's quiet for a lot of wrestling. Yeah. People that have never been there are like, it's quiet. It's two guys fighting, dude. I mean, like they're a bit of ways. Now an indie show with a little closer yeah. to the ring, or if you can get, you know, front row tickets to a big event. Yeah. Different story. It's in your face and it's loud and you can hear him grunt and groan and you can see spit flying and it's it's just fun, man. It's it's a lot of fun. And you guys have a great product. So thank you. Um, we're happy to encourage people to go your way um, and check it out. I, I, again, I want to check it out. Um, again, I want to audition when you have open manager auditions. <laughs> um, All right. I promise you, I, I, I hope I've sold you through this this interview that I think I at least have the skills for that. Um, I Black think Jack, I, a Cadillac might be a... Good uh, wrestling manager. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be great. I think it's fun. Um, I think it was a great name. It came to me. Um, it was partially inspired inspired by um, Cadillac Burns. Do you yeah. know Cadillac Burns? Caddy, yeah. Yeah, um, again, a great throwback heel. He's so fun to me. Um, he is a throwback, um, yeah. He's a great throwback heel, and I love his shtick, so I kind of ripped it off. I'm not going to lie. Cadillac, I love you. Again, we're friends on Facebook. I, I, I took my kid to see you at a show. You're great. Um, but um, I did totally rip it off, and, and, and it was an amalgamation, and it was like Blackjack Blackjack Cadillac, where honky tonk meets Hollywood. That was it, and it was this throwback kind of wrestler, and I just I loved it. So when 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 you're ready for an audition manager, let me know. I'm in. All right. But for anybody who's ready for fun, check out Kapow Wrestling. Um, check out Donovan Daniel's show. It's it's fantastic, and we're happy to promote it here because we love wrestling, um, and we love good guests, which you've been so fun. Again, I've had so much fun. I hope you've felt welcome here in our home at Stage Diver Network. We do our best. I hope you've had fun. This has been um, a little different than your normal press. Right. But we're not going to let you go just yet. Okay. We uh, we do uh, something I love to call the five to drive here on Debbie Radio. Oh, okay. The five questions I ask every guest to drive this episode home. Okay. Now. As a meta joke, because I'm a dork and I love lists, I love YouTube countdowns. If you count something down, I will watch it. Okay. I love it. It's my thing. Mm -hmm. Um, High Fidelity, if you've seen the movie, I love his way of thinking with everything being in top fives. Yeah. So my five questions kicks off with a personalized top five for each guest. Okay. It's a little meta. Five inside of five, 25. Anyway, we don't go too deep down that rabbit hole, but... As I said, we love wrestling around here, and we love stables. Okay. At the Deadbeats of Comedy, we always we used to refer to ourselves as the Four Horsemen of Comedy. Mm. Um, again, which you know is a hell of a statement. Yes. Um, and again, because of my love of chaps and wrestling trites, I'm the Barry Wyndham of the Four Horsemen of Comedy. <laughs> it's better to be the Barry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Barry's my all-time favorite horseman. That's that, when I think the Four Horsemen. That's my group. It's Tully and Arn, Flair and Wyndham. That's yeah. my that's my Four Horsemen. Yeah. I respect a lot of them. Sid Vicious also in my top five all-time favorites. So I love a lot of the Horsemen. And I know that's not the original lineup, but my favorites: Tully, Arn, Flair, and Wyndham. So as a stable fanatic, because even in my other nerddoms, I love comic book superhero groups. Yeah. I like the Avengers, the X-Men, Justice League versus a solo comic. I like a band versus a solo performer. So I wanted to get you a wrestling, apparently diehard, lifelong like myself. Mm-hmm. I want to get your top five 
Okay. Favorite wrestling stables of all time. Now, we qualify this as a stable as anybody having three members or more. Don't have to be three at the same time, but of at least having three members at some point. Top five. No order. Just in general. Top five wrestling stables of all time. All right. Uh, the Freebirds. Okay. Also on my list. See, again, I make my own so that we can compare, but I, I also made Freebirds, so good choice. Good um, choice. See the NWO. You know what? I, good choice. I I I I love that era. It revolutionized rise Completely. revolutionized wrestling. Completely, and I give it tons of respect. I would put honorable mention, but it's it's a favorite. Again, are, are they better than a lot of my choices? Hell yeah! But I chose my favorite. Sure, sure, so your again, favorites. I, great choice. I know that's going to make every and there's there's wrestlers that everybody puts on a list that you wouldn't. There's somebody that everybody puts on a band list that you wouldn't. That's just mm. the way it goes. So I get it. But, again, couldn't be my choice. I do love the the imagery, though. Yeah. The black and white, spray-painted, the the biker gang kind of feel. Loved it. So good choice. Okay. Excellent. And uh, All right. Number I'll, three. I'll say the Bullet Club because they are revolutionizing the way indie thought, wrestling is being thought of right now. Okay, I don't know much about them. I know um I know very little again cuz I follow, don't follow current wrestling, but I know who who some of the members have been. Um I, my friends love it, so I guess I got to give it props, but I honestly don't know much about them. Their their t-shirts are being sold in hot topics across America. I know, I know. They're the that's, current that's Austin amazing. 316 if yes. you will. They Everybody has Bullet Club T-shirts. Coming out of a stable from Japan and Ring of Honor. Right. Uh, they've been flat out amazing with how they've been able to put indie wrestling back in somewhat of a spotlight and getting fans back in buildings. Okay. Yeah, I know it's uh, – is it is that Kenny Ortega? Uh, no. Kenny um, Omega. Kenny Omega, that's what I meant. The Young Bucks. The Young Bucks, Cody, yeah. Hangman Page. Okay. Uh, friend of mine, Chase Owens. Okay, awesome. Um it's always yeah. awesome to watch your friends succeed. You get a little bit jealous, but at the same time, you're so happy for them. As a comic, I've, you know, Trey Crowder, Dulce Sloan, some lovely people, not name-dropping, just people that I have have met before they were famous, watched them get famous as we cross paths, either opening a show or having to be friends at an open mic. And, and you're like, ah, oh, dude, I'm so jealous, but envious, I guess, because yeah. I, I want what you have, but I'm so glad you have it. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. So um, that's, that's cool. I know um, the Bullet Club is a huge thing. I just, again, not watching the current product, even... The current, um, as like we said, there's the indie level, there's the the, the big show on the WWE, but there is a mid-level now, NXT, which is still WWE, but Ring of Honor, New Japan, there is these huge organizations getting a ton of credit, but are still run like an indie promo. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bullet Club spawn out of that because um, yeah. they came, and, and I know they're in the most of them have hit the WWE now, right? No, none of them. None of them. Uh, well, Balor, Styles. Okay. Uh, Gallows and Anderson, but oh, that's right. Probably... Um, um, but Kenny Omega did the the Chris Jericho thing, but it wasn't WWE. It was that the was New, New Japan. Japan, right? Yeah, right. Okay. Um, all right. So Freebirds again on my list. Um, and and I said we we deadbeats consider ourselves the Four Horsemen. We've actually started to reconsider that we are the Freebirds of comedy because mm-hmm. we play by the Freebird rule. If 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 one deadbeat can't make it, another deadbeat subs, and the deadbeats of comedy are here. So we do play by the freebird rule. Freebird so, rule, nice. Um, but all right, so we got the freebirds. Excellent. NWO again. Hats off. Can't argue it. Just not on my list. Bullet Club. Don't know enough about them, but uh, from everything I've heard, that's great. All right, we got three out of five. All Where right. are we going with number four? Uh, Horseman. Again, uh, on my list, no question. Um, even if you don't like them, oh my god. Uh, 
Everybody has to choose that. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite incarnation? I told you mine was the Tully, Arn, Wyndham, and Flair. When you think Horseman, what picture is in your mind? Um, I actually remember the uh, uh, Flair, Arn, uh, Tully, and Luger version. Okay. Okay. I remember that. I remember that. That's a good one. Which was before Barry Wyndham. So, right, I, that's a yeah. good one. Um, my, I'd say my favorite uh, incarnation outside of the 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 Wyndham, um, Tully, Arn, Flair is the addition of Sid Vicious. I love Sid Vicious. Again, I love the big brawlers. I'm sure. a big Sid Vicious fan. Yeah. Um, again, as a Mark who knows behind the scene, I know what a shit bag he is. But <laughs> again, I just loved him. Again, a big fan of the. Uh, uh, vest, no shirt, chaps on trunks. It's a big thing for me. Fetish, maybe. I don't know, but it's, I love it. It's a thing. <laughs> so, again, Sid Vicious, Diesel. I love all of them. So, uh, mm-hmm. but all right, that's a great one. Um, that's a great lineup for the, the horsemen, and the horsemen, of course, are on my list. So, all right, where, where are we finishing up? What's number five? All right. Where do we uh, round this out? Probably my favorite wrestling stable, uh, the Dangerous Alliance. Okay. You know what? Excellent. Excellent. Rick Rude, Steve Austin, uh, Arn Anderson, Larry Zbysko. I mean. An underrated classic. Oh, yeah. I, you know what? I didn't even think of that. Every now and then, somebody will hit me with something in their top five. And, I, again, I try to custom tailor it. So every, you know, if I have a comic, we talk comedy. But sometimes if they're comic book fans. And so I custom what you want. And I make my own. Because, again, my thought is if I can't come up with five, how do I expect you to do it on the fly? And yeah. I've got days to do it. Right. And the other thing is, um, I, I like, again, watching lists, talking lists, so I like to make my own and share. And every now and then a comic or somebody will hit me with their list, and I'm like, fuck, I didn't even think of that. Fuck, the dangerous. That is good. That is good. Because, again, probably Dangerously was so good. He was. So good. I still remember War Games in 92. And the one thing that sticks out in my mind is uh, Medusa scaling the cage. And she drops the phone into Arn Anderson in the middle of the, the the baby face shine. Sting climbs up to get her to climb uh, back down, and inside Arn's hitting everything he can touch with that phone, knocking so them all good. out, and then all of a sudden starting the heat. Oh my God! People wanted to kill him. I think it's funny how stables, as a general, and you know, a lot of times, to me, the best stables are when you have you know a group three to four to five people at one time, and manager all shows up, and it's like a gang. I love that. You know, again, I always have. And so I think those are the best. But, you know, you have things like demolition where you have the free bird rule where somebody subs in and out and you still well, have. Well, they would do the gimmick where one of them would put on a mask, love roll that. underneath the oh, ring, and the other one would put that. it back on. One of the greatest heel moves of all time. I love it. Love yeah. it. Um, but I think stables like that, like to me, I, I the Heart Foundation is another one of those where I get, I was like, I get why that's on your list. It's not on mine, but I get it because I. I like the Hart Foundation as a tag team, but I actually really like those later years where it was Brett, Davey Boy, Owen, yeah. you know, uh, Jim, Lino again, rest in peace. I love all that. So I was a big fan of that area, and you're like, I get it. I love that. So I love the stable and the Dangerous Alliance. So good. So good. So uh, that that is an excellent top five. I love it. Um, for me, again, Four Horsemen and Freebirds, both on mine. So yeah. I had that one. Um, for me, again, Skyscrapers. I love um, the WCW, NWA, um, this Danny Spivey, um, Sid Vicious, and 
uh, Mark Callis, uh, soon to be The Undertaker. That was when uh, they split Vicious off from yeah, the team, if I yeah, remember right. Yeah, 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 because they, uh, uh, I think he got, was it Spivey that got hurt? Or one of them got hurt, and they subbed the other one in. But to me, okay, I'm, so I love that. Again, big guys, chaps and drunks, yeah. again, a stupid thing. But those are my favorite kind of wrestlers. Yeah. Everybody, So I love all three of those guys, um, and I love them together. So that's skyscrapers for me. Um, and then I also had um, DOA. I love the old biker gimmick. DOA okay. was great. You know, uh, uh, you had Crush and the uh, eight uh, ball and skull. Uh, yeah, Brian Lee. Yeah, loved it. Loved it. Loved it. I just thought it was great. I thought in the, I thought it was one of the greatest uh, shticks, especially in that era. You had the Nation of Domination. You had yeah. the Heart Foundation. So you had all these great, um, fantastic. And I, so I just thought they fit in great. But I loved it. I love the biker gimmick. I'm an old school biker guy. I mean, like. Hello, look at me. Right. right. And so I love that shtick. And then uh, finally, uh, the Legion of Doom. Mm. And not just the Road Warriors, but the original AWA Legion of Doom, Jake the Snake, the Warlord and the Barbarian, the Road Warriors, managed by uh, Precious Paul Ellering. I love that. Mm-hmm. I, it was just one of the it, – it's, it's to me, it's, it's that Dangerous Alliance. It's like, oh, my God. What a unique bunch of misfits. Like the best comic book um, mashup of heroes where you're like, I can't believe those guys got together. Oh, that's so awesome. Right. It's all my favorite people mixed in one. And so I love the old – and I like still when it was just the Road Warriors, Hawk, and Animal. Um, but the best was when it was everybody, the Legion of Doom. And I, I loved it. Loved it. Awesome. So normally the question two isn't as smooth a transition, but in this case – as again, we've mentioned over the last 10 minutes, yeah. we love staples. Yeah. So we give you the chance to create your own. You get, now this is you, this is not, this is, this is not kayfabe, this is you, your life. You get one night to create your own four horsemen, your own fantastic four, fab four, whatever. You get three living celebrities to hang out one night. Bachelor party style, doing whatever the fuck you want to do. Your posse, your stable, three living celebrities, and you. Go. So three living celebrities. Yep. Anybody you want. Doesn't matter. Whatever, Whoever you want to make your own. You're the four horsemen rolling into town, doing whatever the fuck you want to do. Four just crazy sons of bitches put together as the best stable in real world. Three living celebrities, and you. All right. Let's see here. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, just because oh, I think he'd be God funny as hell. It. Good choice. How you know what? Nobody has picked him yet. Yeah. Never in the history of WWE, and that's such a good choice because he does seem like the most genuine, awesome dude. I love his acting, but just genuine, fucking awesome dude. All right, now I'll say out of the gate, fantastic. I'll say uh, uh, Mark Maron. I love his oh, comedy again. Good choice. Good choice. Uh, he is brilliant. I, I love Mark Maron. Um, again, he's a comic. His podcast is great. Podcasting, you know, um, legend. Uh, what WTF is fantastic. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, great. Okay, so so far, I, I'm jealous of this party. I, I really, <laughs> I mean, you, Ryan Reynolds, Mark Maron, three people I would love to hang out with. So whoever gets this third and final slot is going to make me very jealous. So oh, who are we giving it to? We'll see. We'll see. There in every wrestling stable, there's somebody that's batshit crazy. The best, the best, Ric Flair, mm-hmm. Four Horsemen. So I'm going Tom Cruise. Oh, 
Okay. All right. Okay. Um, because I hate that he'd be jumping on people's couches, telling people he loves them, all kinds of crazy ass shit. I love it, and here's why: I hate Tom Cruise as an actor, and it's nothing against. I just I can't stand him. Yeah. Although he does some things I love, Magnolia, et cetera, whatever. But I hate Tom Cruise as an actor. But several times when people get to their own Fantastic Four, Four Horsemen, you got you got to not everybody's a wrestling fan. Yeah. So I wrote it as the Four Horsemen yeah. when I created this questionnaire. But I realized I had to adjust to comic book fans. It's the Fantastic Four. You yeah. get your own super group for musicians, the, Fab Four. Yeah. But for the wrestling fan, the Fantastic or the, the Four Horsemen was the origin. So when I wrote it, I came up with the Fantastic Four and I thought, or the Four Horsemen and I was like, this is what we're going to do. But so many people always put some curveball. Yeah. Um, over the last few weeks, we've had like Tashiki Six Nine. Are you familiar? <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, I think it was Emily Gwynn. Um, and so people put this curve. And, and Tom Cruise is yours. And here's what yeah. what they what what that wild card adds. Late night, drunk. We're in the limo, and we go, "Yo, we should do blank." Insert dumb idea here. Mm -hmm. And there's that one person who goes, yeah, fuck it, make a call. And is rich <laughs> enough and crazy enough to just go, mm-hmm, and support whatever dumb idea the rest of the posse has for yeah. that night and allow that to happen. And that's how you end up getting, you know, again, in a blimp flying across the ocean at night eating Jack in the Box and Whataburger because you wanted to compare them side to side <laughs> because in the limo there was an argument over which was, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so Tom Cruise is your Tashiki 69 yeah. uh, 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 wild card entry. So you, Ryan Reynolds, Mark Marin, and Tom Cruise out on a, that is fantastic. I, I love that. Yeah. So that is a great list. Um, I have made no bones about it. We we mentioned disco earlier and how certain you know things uh, uh -huh. about it. But I love disco and I love crazy ba B movies and bad hair metal. And I, I I'm a cheese ball guy, so I'm pretty open with mine. But what what is your guilty pleasure? What is Donovan Daniels' thing that he loves that he knows he should be embarrassed that he loves whether he is or not? What's your guilty pleasure? Good lord. Um. I'm I'm shameful, shameful fan Don't of be. Bailey. Don't Bailey? Bailey. I, I'm what's, what's like Bailey? horribly attracted to Bailey. What WWE? Bailey? Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. No, I I'm I, like a shameful like schoolgirl fan of um, Bailey. Um super cute. Not typically uh that's the the brunette with the the little top knot yeah, ponytail. Yeah, the inflatable yeah, waving yeah. arm man. Yeah. So, okay, again, I don't watch too much, but I follow some. Um she is adorable. Not on paper what if you ask me like, "I do. What what do you want? What do you want to say? Like, what do you like?" Like if you're asking type, she wouldn't be it, but she is adorable. I know. I like it. I like it. she's for me. I'm a I'm an old school, but uh Stacy Keebler still yeah, really she had that she hot, cranks my weed eater. Store look. Oh, mm. yeah. love it! So I'm a huge Stacey Gilbert fan. See, that's so. like Bailey's like the girl that okay. lives next door. You know, I it's, love it. Okay, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I can I can totally see that good one. Yeah, that's 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 shameful too for her. No, I get it. I get it. I I'm all on board. I, I see again. I don't know too many of the girls. A few of them I know because um, they make it. Uh, I, regardless of what sport or sport you don't watch. There are always going to be athletes who make it out of the sport into pop culture that you're aware of. Yeah. You don't have to watch basketball to know Michael Jordan. 
You don't have to watch boxing to know Mike Tyson, you know, et cetera. Sure. Jeff Gordon, Dale Earnhardt Jr., racing, et cetera. So I, I don't watch the current project product, but a lot of my friends do. And I know Bailey and a few of the others. And she is adorable. She's fun. Didn't she do a um, – was it her and what's the big guy, Braun Strowman? Did they have a shtick for a minute? Um, I know he had a shtick with one of the uh, the female wrestlers because it was like a, almost like a Beauty and the Beast kind of like oh uh, uh, Alexa monster. Bliss. Oh, okay, Alexa Bliss. Uh, yeah. She is adorable. Uh, she is super cute. Yeah, that kind of Harley Quinn thing going. Yeah, on. Yeah, I like it. It's it's again kind of gimmicky and kind of shticky, but I'm I'm down with that. I I like. Over my years of a wrestler, as a wrestling fan, there have been some just dumb gimmicks. I was like, "That's dumb," and I love it. Yeah. You know, the Road Warriors, it's like based like, off of Mad Max. Yeah, and it's crazy with the face paint and the Ultimate Warrior, the face paint. I just, I love it. If you're gonna be a stick, the Honky Tonk Man. I grew up in that era, so mm-hmm. I love. You know, I love this. Akeem. Wait, no, we're not gonna. We're not gonna. Everybody <laughs> loves the African dream. It was so bad, so bad. Jive soul, bro. I know, I know, it's so bad. Because um, I liked the one man gang, and I was like, "What is this shit?" Came out of a flower pot dancing. So bad, so bad. But you know what? It was a different era, and you could pull that shit off. You couldn't do it now. Hell no! Um, bring not... out a white guy trying to get in an African dashiki <laughs> with Good luck with a black jive talking manager. Yeah. Oh. Um, and you know what? See, I'm not a politically correct guy. I say offend everybody. For me, as a comic, um, I think everything's on the table. Yeah. I think funny trumps everything. And so if everything is on the table, that means at some point you're on the table. And whatever your thing is, it's bound to get made fun of because we were all on the table. Yeah. So with that being said... Since you're at some point going to cross somebody else's line, you can't get pissed when they cross yours. We all accept that we all are going to get put to some point, put on the, the chopping block in the, the I'm making fun of you world. Yeah. It's just the way it is. Yeah. So everybody's on the table. And um, when it comes to, um, you know, wrestlings and characters and things like that, um, I think, again, if you're going to do something crazy outlandish, you know, fuck it. So if some black guy shows up and does some stupid white parody, I'm not going to get offended. So I think, so it was a different time. You couldn't yeah. do it now, but I think you should be able to. You couldn't make Blazing Saddles now, but you no. should be able to because yes, it's brilliant. It is. And so when you take something like Akeem that is just stupid, it's like, you don't be offended. If you're offended by this, you're saying this is serious enough to affect you. This is a comedy um, variation of the wrestling athlete. Yeah. And it happens. There have been tons of comedy variations over the years, and Akeem was just one, you know. But Eugene, again, crazy, unpolitically correct. But at the time, people were like, fuck it, let's roll with it. Mm-hmm. So, again, uh, if you're going to celebrate this wackiness, and I love it, I'm all for it. So I'm a guilty pleasure guy. I, that's why I asked the question, because mm-hmm. I love the cheese. I, I like uh, teeny bopper pop like Selena Gomez and Taylor Pot, Taylor Swift. I love that shit. Bro country mumble rap. I'm so <laughs> terrible. Uh, I have the worst choices ever. So um, I think Alexa, or not Alexa Bliss, but I think uh, Bailey is a wonderful, wonderful guilty pleasure. Um, I I tend to take this as a real 
um, sit down and get to know people. We've loved having you here. You've been fun to open up with and talk wrestling and hang out and get to know each other and make better friends, That, which is what you should be doing with Facebook. If you're local and you can meet people and you can hang out and find out you do like the same things, that's what you should do. Absolutely. And so we do take this serious, and we have a serious conversation. So we do like to end the five to drive on a couple of serious notes. Not always serious. Some people have made jokes out of them, and I'm okay with that too because all humor is okay with me. We've had a fun ride, but let's get serious for a moment. You've booked your last show. The bell rang for the last time. You no longer have a chance to book a next show because tomorrow's not here. What do you want written on your tombstone? What do you want your legacy to be? Uh, hopefully, no. In the end, that people will remember me or what we did, or what we put out there. Um, there. Other than my daughter, there's probably nothing I've been more proud of other than what we're doing now, because we really do believe in it. Hmm. Uh, Knoxville Wrestling's been destroyed for years, and we've just been trying to bring it back, and we're getting there. We're, we're making strides. We're having standing room only crowds. Awesome. It's been amazing. And uh, uh, on my tombstone, I hope that there's a comment about me being a good father, and I hope that there's a uh, something on my tombstone to show my love for professional wrestling because awesome. it, it's it's been there for me since I was three. It's awesome, dude. Yeah, it's awesome. I love that. Um, I think in the today's era, again, it it can cause some issues, but most importantly. It can capture and give um, a generation that finds it like an archaeological dig, <laughs> archaeological dig, and finds it up somewhere. Because that's what we do with music. That's what we do with TV shows, movies. We stumble across this old stuff someday that's long since you know the the director and the actor are long dead, and you you come across and go, "That's cool." My kids discovering Hulk Hogan. My son asked me. Uh, he was he got into Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling. I have the VHSs, and he stumbled across them when he was about four. And he was like, "Dad, can we go see Andre the Giant live?" And I was like, "No, buddy. He's not with us anymore." But it's awesome that you find this. So mm -hmm. hopefully someday somebody will find an old tape of Kapow mm -hmm. and be like, "Wow, this was awesome. Look at that. They let." the audience bring the weapons yeah absolutely awesome well the fifth and final question in the five to drive is not going to leave us on a downer i wouldn't do that again just like an act in wrestling or music or comedy you got to know what your closer is yeah. you got to leave them in the right place so we're going to bring it up and end on a happy note all right you have no restrictions holding you back somebody turns to you and asks you hey where would you like to be? Nothing, no appointments, no nothing. You can choose to be wherever you will. Where is your happy place? Where's the place you want to be when you can be anywhere? I'd want to be somewhere in London. I've always wanted to go, but London. I've never gotten the chance. I'm, I'm a huge catch wrestling fan, which is UK style right, wrestling. Right, right, right. And uh, I've always wanted to make the trip, but never went. Wow. So it's one of my top bucket list items. So, yeah, probably there. Again, we give an ovation 
great choice. I, I've never been either. Um, I'm an Anglophile. Um, I, I grew up, again, in an old biker family. My dad's had Harleys my whole life. I'm a Triumph fan. I love British motorcycles. Mm. And I love the British blues from the 60s where these British kids got American blues and recycled it and put out cream and Zeppelin and stuff. So I love – I'm an Anglophile. I love British food. Um, my wife a couple of years ago uh, asked me what I wanted for my birthday, and I was like, I want an English supper. I want uh, shepherd's pie and bread pudding. And I want you. I, I want you to use Alton Brown's recipe. So I was a little specific, but it was great. <laughs> Alton Brown never lets me down. His recipes. If you need a good recipe for anything, go to Alton Brown's section of foodnetwork.com. It's the bomb. And so I'm an Anglophile, and I, I always wanted to go. I've never been either. I've I've been to like Canada. That's the most exotic location I've ever been to, and <laughs> uh, Mexico once. Um, but uh, I, London is a great answer. That's awesome. That is fantastic. Um, I would love to go and have a you know a pint at a real London pub. Yeah, have some real you know British food. London pub um, crawl—that's the American dream, right? Yeah, exactly. That'd be great. <laughs> Catch wrestling—that's cool. I, I that's um I know uh, a lot of uh, wrestlers use that. Uh, Stephen Regal is a big one they, for they, being. He was a uh, catch style when he started. Yes, it's similar to American shoot wrestling. Uh-huh. Uh, somewhat, yes. Yeah. Uh, they they go in more of a round format. I mean, there were such amazing guys over there. Steve Wright, uh, uh, Johnny Saint, uh, Rollerball Rocco. Wasn't there a new guy um, recently that came out doing it? Um, I can pick it. Must Baron something? No. Uh, shit. Again, I see some of the guys on the wrestling game that I don't know, but I, obviously they're new. Um, oh, Alistair and- Black? Maybe, maybe. He, he's out of uh, Holland. Okay. Oh, okay. So it's a similar style. Okay, yes. my bad. Um, there, was a, there was a guy I was picturing, I was thinking he was into that. But, yeah, it's it's a neat form of wrestling because, again, it's very technical. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's, it's in the same form of judo as far as using opponents' weight against them. Yes, there, there's a lot of judo concepts in it. Uh, a lot of roles. Um, basically ground wrestling. Mostly. Nice. Nice, uh, nice. Sometimes they'd get a little technical and get off their feet a little bit, but, man, it was so fluid, so so pure. Nice. Well, again, as a fellow Anglophile, that is one of the best answers ever, so that is great. Um, you have done amazing with your five to drive. I, again, salute you. Thank salute you. you. Thank you. Um, Donovan, dude, thanks for being here, bro. We're, um, we are always looking for fun guests, and you've been a blast. Um, I can't tell you how much I've loved getting to know you and, and find out that we, we are way closer alike than, uh, again, uh, I ever thought. So, dude, it's been awesome. I hope you had a good time being here. Awesome. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So, one more shout-out. Where can we find you in Kapow Wrestling? And uh, we will uh, hopefully have this up pretty soon so you can get uh, some people out to the show. Absolutely. December 22nd, uh, Milton Roberts Rec Center on Nashville Highway in uh, Knoxville. Uh, if you don't happen to catch it, uh, which it'll be uh, bell time, 6.30 for our pre-show, 7 o'clock for the main card. Uh, but if you don't catch this before the event, catch us Kapow Wrestling on Facebook, Kapow Wrestling on Instagram, at uh, Wrestle Kapow on Twitter, YouTube. We're, we're, we're shooting for trying to get on streaming sites. Uh, possibly like Powerbomb TV, something like that. Uh, so hopefully you'll be able to catch us a lot more mm. places. So That's awesome. And they, they, they're the ones that make it happen. Like I said, appreciate those who appreciate you. 
Um, fans are why we do it. And, and I've said it before, and I try to end every show letting the people out there who are listening. It may only be five, ten people, but you know what? If they, you guys spread it and love it, that's how we get out there as artists. Tell people about what we do. Tell people where you can catch our next wrestling show. Tell people where you can get our next comedy show. Tell people about where we can get this podcast. Because without somebody listening, there's no reason to be here. Without somebody buying a ticket and sitting in the front row, there's no reason to strap up and get your trunks on and walk out behind the curtain. Without a, 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 a group sitting there ready for you to come out and, and tell a joke, there's no reason to be there. A crowd without a comic is still a crowd. They don't need you. But a comic without a crowd is just a narcissistic asshole with a microphone. <laughs> and so we do it for you, and thank you. Uh, I'm Lance Adam, your host on Debbie Radio. We've been here with Donovan Daniels of Power Wrestling. Uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks again. It's why we do so it. Tell me, when you took the practice, scholastic aptitude test, did you know the answer? Did you guess? You were like gimmicks to amuse your fans and act all urban to jack up your sound scan. What's the matter with you? How come you run Marcus and Lab plays? Atrophy shrinking your entire vocabulary. Your style's like garbage cans meant to be taken out on a weekly basis. Ever since you first record, you've been in a state of suspended animation. 